Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Benvenuto a Hunting Seasons, un podcast su du amici che fanno tapa e spettacoli televisi notavoli per una stagione alla volta. Sono Broderick Gordis. E io sono Tomas Cleary. E oggi parleremo della stagione due di Master of None. Come stai, Damask? Oh, pretty good, mate. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah good. real good. Yeah. Allora. <laughs> allora. Allora. Uh, hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons. This is a podcast about two friends catching up on Noble Television shows one season at a time, if you didn't understand it when I said it the first time, yeah. which and you probably usually... didn't even if you're Italian, because yeah. I butchered that. <laughs> we usually don't slaughter a language at the beginning <laughs> of the show, so yeah, apologies. It felt appropriate. It felt appropriate it to did. do it today. I think it was almost as accurate as Aziz Ansari's yeah. accent, so well done. About as good. Not, <laughs> not even close. Uh, yeah, so today we're talking about Master of None's Season 2. We are. You ready to go? You excited, Damask? I'm very excited. Excellent, excellent. Well, as always, a spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of Master of None. Before listening, we recommend watching all of Master of None up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures. 18 months after its first season landed on Netflix, Master of None returns with a freshly cooked batch of amusing observations, awkward dating anecdotes, and envy-inducing location shoots. Aziz Ansari once again stars as Dev Shah, bringing with him regular cast members Alessandra Mastronardi and Bobby Carnavali. Season 2 consists of 10 episodes, with running times ranging from 22 minutes up to 57 minutes in length, and took us approximately 5 hours and 25 minutes to watch. It's about an hour longer than mm. the last season, with the same play episode play loosey-goosey with the times this season. Big time, mm. loosey-goosey. Damask, do you have a story synopsis for us? Nah. Nah. Cool, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, awesome. Let's just get straight into it then. Do you have a five-word summation for your thoughts on Master of None Season 2? Yep. Look, I've been pondering for a long time. I've got lots of choices, but I finally picked one. Um, and it's... Be- that's a lie. I just wrote that. <laughs> Beautifully shot story of yearning. Beautifully shot story of yearning. Oh, very nice. What's yours? Romantic torture known too well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel that one. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so unlike um, some episodes, we're not going to do sort of discussion points on this one. I think we did this for season one. It's been a while since we did season one, actually, on the podcast. We're going to do this episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, our notes are sufficient for I that. Feel I feel like we did that last time, but I, I could be wrong. We, I think we did too. It's one of those shows that is very episodic, so I'm mm. pretty sure that's exactly how we yeah. did it. And we're going to do it again this time around. There is, I would suggest, a little bit more... Um, 
what do you call it, serialized storytelling, though that exists in the first season as well. Yeah. Um, but still, It goes in and out of serialized storytelling like the it, first season did. So. Well, I would say unlike last season, at least this season, most episodes have something to relate back to a central ongoing storyline and plot. Often they, they'll end with, well, at least the theme or the mood feels like it's heading in a particular direction with it. But yeah. anyway, not always. Yeah. There are some definitely standalone episodes which have nothing to do with not that a stuff. Thing. But yeah. I would say the majority do. Anyway, right. not important. Let's start with episode one of season two The Thief. Uh, this is taking from the IMDb uh, little blurbs, by the way, when I read these out. Mm. Now living in Modena, Dev serendipitously, well, that was a word that I wasn't expecting to come up in this, Dev <laughs> serendipitously meets a girl he makes a real connection with only to have his future date plans go awry when a thief steals his mobile phone. So, what do you think of this episode, Damask, as a way to reintroduce us back into the world of Master of None? What a fabulous beginning this episode was. Yeah? Um, we spoke very briefly, mostly because of our joint ignorance about um, Italian neo... That's what we're known for. That's our, sub- <laughs> that's our subtitle of hunting seasons. Joint ignorance at its finest. Yeah. Uh, about neorealism in Italian cinema. Um, there were certain, certain aspects of that in season one. And season two just straight up, just like, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, this is the... Uh, not only visually, but even when it comes to storytelling, this is what the creators love Mm -hmm. and they're going to be leaning hard into that, so get ready for it. Mm -hmm. And this is them showing that they can tell a really simple story, very simple story, Mm -hmm. um, well, and is visually compelling. Absolutely. And that's what episode one does for us and I think it's really good to set us on our our way. So that, um, one of the visual choices they're making obviously here with this episode is it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, which there was nothing like that. I think there were some flashbacks that were in black and white in season one mm. or maybe even some fantasy type scenarios that were in black and white in season one. But to have a whole episode play out in black and white and sort of um, pay homage to that style of cinema, yeah, um, yeah, is like you said, it's just like, oh, let's b- pretend, let's not stop pretending for a second, let's just wear it on our sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, as far as the story goes, it's a beautiful little story. One of the things we criticised season one for early on was he felt it was missing that heart sometimes. It would explore a theme very yes. well. It'd be very interesting and engaging, yes, but you didn't necessarily feel a lot. What's the emotional tie that's tying me in there? Yeah. The emotional tie-in. Yeah, the emotional mm-hmm. tie-in wasn't always there. Yeah. Um and then straight away with this episode, I think one of my notes is that they straight away they've they've hit that at least a little bit. Um the the familiar agony of like fe- feeling you're not going to be able to, m- you've missed your opportunity with somebody yeah. or you're not going to be able to contact someone again, someone that you met for the first time that you had a connection with and then your opportunity to take that further just disappears in front of you. Yeah. Which is such oh. for people of our generation who have the opportunity to contact anyone anywhere at all times to somehow lose that mm-hmm. is incredibly frustrating because mm-hmm. we feel like you know i think we've all kind of hunted someone down with like a few like a little bit of knowledge found their facebook been able to stalk them and it just is satisfying to yes, do. yes and so to not be able to do that is like oh my god this is the worst thing in the world yeah and what yeah what a missed opportunity mm. and then around all that the show is just being charming as all get out as well 
So you have the beautiful setting of Modena, which is just, they must have had a, a joy filming there. I mean, we're all, we've all decided to go to Italy now, right? I think that's my like, note. Just collectively. Is I immediately want to move overseas. Fuck, English sucks. Francesca is ridiculous. I think is all <laughs> are my three notes for this episode. Mine is Under the Tuscan Sun is a great film. And then a quote, one of my favorite lines of the episode is, why did that guy kiss his phone for? Or what did that guy kiss his phone for? When he's like, when Dev's lost his phone or his phone's yeah. been stolen and he's looking at all these people using their phones. <laughs> and then one of the guys is like, he's just kissing his phone. <laughs> it's very good. Anyway, off the point. But yes, no, the, um, the beautiful setting, obviously they had a lot of fun filming there. Um, the new cast members, the ones that we meet, we obviously meet Francesca. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet uh, the little, we get to see the little um, pastor school that Deb yeah. is learning in, which is from lovely Nonna. as well. Yep. From Nonna, yes, exactly. And then a couple of other of his Italian friends. Um, but you do get a sense that he's a little bit lonely um, while he's in Modena and then he meets, I can't remember the character's name, unfortunately. Um, but this either. British lady who is also going to the same restaurant he's going to and has booked for the wrong day and yeah. he helps her out. And Hello. Hello. <laughs> and then we might do that a hundred or so times. It's just very fun so to say. Bad. Aziz Ansari, if nothing, is onto something when he knows that Alora is just a yeah. fun thing to say. Um, and then, yeah, that connection he makes with this woman is... I th- uh, sometimes I found I think the word name Sarah or Sarah. I think you're right, it's Sarah. Sarah. I Sarah. think you're right, Sarah. Okay. Um, in season one, might have been a little bit twee or a little bit almost edgy and obnoxious. It was so perfect and whatever. But I don't know. I I felt there was a genuine connection there, and it was good because then it leads when he does lose his phone, has his phone stolen, that immediate like feeling of oh shit. Yeah, I think consistently the character of Dev, that's how he talks to people is it's kind of twee and like it's always a bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit cutesy Mm -hmm. and that's just who he is so if you don't like that and you find that too too much or obnoxious then you're probably just not going to like the show full stop Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that is i think that's a consistent character thing that that's how he relates to women yeah yeah absolutely um and so this ends with him not getting his phone back and not and missing his opportunity with the Sarah. The tragedy of it all. The tragedy of it all. And I feel that, even though it's stupid, yeah, I, I feel the tragedy of it. I totally I like, do. Mm, yeah. But again, I think it's because one of the things we liked a lot about season one when it did hit those emotional beats was mm. that it was relatable. So when you we talked about in um, the Nashville episode in season one, the bit with the, the stupid little selfish thing you do that leads to really yeah. putting someone off. That was really like, oh, I've been there. I understand yeah. that completely. And then you have to awkwardly, you know, sit around or be around the person, and there's just like a cloud of what you've done, and no one can kind of see through it. It's just like the most awkward and stressful thing. Totally, yeah. super relatable feelings. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of that, um, in the end of his relationship with is it Rachel, yeah, uh, yes, and the there's a familiarity to those feelings, and especially when you're the same sort of age of these characters as well. And this, it's such a, like you said, it's a dumb little thing, mm. but it's extremely relatable. That feeling of just like, oh, crap, I don't know how to contact this person anymore. Mm-hmm. Try as you might, you just can't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Very- and I think while not every circumstance in this show, you know, particularly because it's obviously about a group of people in New York who have quite a lot of money to be living the life they yeah. are living in New York. Um, but I think this job does a good way of even though in that circumstance the characters aren't relatable 
Um, but if you look close, uh, the the relationships, the relationship dynamics in between people, it is relatable. Oh, and that's I, true. And I think they allow for that in the quiet moments of the show where it's usually just like a shot of Dev or a shot of someone's face and you can kind of like project what, what your own experience onto them and like they draw it out. It's particularly like one, I'm skipping ahead, but the scene in the back of the cab I'm, where I'm you are just... I'm looking forward to getting to that one because we'll discuss yeah. that at length. But um, do you feel like that's something that they've done better this season than last season? Because I feel like there was a lot more of these moments where it mm. allowed time to really reflect on the feeling rather than just the idea. So yes. often in the first season it was... This season in a is contemplative in a way that's, that the that's past season wasn't. great yeah. word for it contemplative and that feeling of it having an actual emotional toll or effect mm. on Dev in particular and on our characters, I think is more apparent this season yeah. rather than just Dev flowing through a situation, exploring an idea and sort of coming to the end of it and not feeling like it really affected him at all. Mm -hmm. There were times with Rachel where it certainly it did, but other things like, I don't know, you just get to the end of it, it's like, okay, that, that's done now. Yeah. Not okay and this has changed or affected Dev yeah. in a way that this might actually be a little bit lasting. happens in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really have a lot more to say about The Thief. Um, it was. It's just really charming, beautiful little episode. It's not the best episode of the season no. to uh, spoil it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great way. I was like straight back in and going, oh, this is a little bit fresh, a little bit new and still just as charming. And, um, yeah. Great way uh, to jump back in. Well, yeah, when I first, because this is the second time that I've watched season two and so when I started watching this first episode of the second season I remember being so engaged mm -hmm. in a way that I would go in and out of engagement in season one but yeah the the beautiful vignettes mm -hmm. of this season just consistently kept me engaged and I was like watching a series of short films that were all really yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, and I think that's such a feat. Mm. And we talked about that with Louis as well, the idea of them being short films yeah. this time. Some, they sort of start out more skiddy and then they turn into short films. These generally are very like short little films yeah. just put into a sequence. I think this is a much more successful um, Than Louis? version of that. Oh, 100% yeah. agree. Um, also, just an interesting thought on season one, just the... Um, the way it sort of shakes up your perception of what the show is, when, yes, Dev is still a central character, but it is a completely different location, and there's none of the characters that we're familiar with in this episode at all. There's no Rachel, there's no Arnold, there's no any of his friends around him. Um, sometimes things like that can be a little bit like trying to change things up too much can be a little bit like, ah, uh, you've lost what was making this show special. Mm. In this case, case, it was just a great little sidestep to enjoy something fresh and original and yeah. take a different perspective on Dev. Yeah, and I think even in season one, we see Dev, you know, he goes from friendship group to friendship group, mm -hmm. experiencing different people the way I think a lot of us live our lives. Mm -hmm. We're not constantly hanging out with the same people in the same location every day. Yep. Um, so I think we've, we, we're used to seeing either Dev or a secondary character in a different situation mm -hmm. that we haven't seen before and may not ever see again. So I think that show has allowed for that to happen. And so when we start off a season in a different country, surrounded by completely different people, and it's just Dev, it's not as shocking as it would be in any other show. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I could do what Dev did, the whole going away and living somewhere else, just packing up and leaving, going somewhere and doing something different for a whole year or potentially even longer. I've thought about it. It sounds mm. exciting. It sounds scary as fuck. <laughs> 
I mean, I would, there's definitely... All the things that he is experiencing that are bad about it, so mm. the loneliness and the isolation, they're not really feeling like you're from there and you're mm. jumping into other people's friendship I groups. couldn't go to a country that wasn't predominantly English-speaking. I think that's spectacularly brave. Mm. Um, but I've, I've definitely been like going through a, a breakup terribly depressed. And if I had had the money, probably would have just left. You know, like, but I don't have the money, so I have to stay and wallow in my misery, like most people. That's how we do it. <laughs> That's how it's done. All right, let's move on to episode two. Uh, I cannot pronounce this correctly, probably. I think it's Lenoze. Lenoze? Lenoze? Lenoze. That's probably, know. that sounds much know. better. Let's go with that. Arnold stops by on his way to a wedding to explore Modena with his little bud, but he hasn't <laughs> told Dev the whole truth about his trip. So in this one, Arnold, who was a character we had some interesting criticisms for, Last yeah. season, yeah, uh, comes to Italy visiting Dev. They get to have a little adventure together where they reintroduce these two little little bud and big bud, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, make their way up to Arnold's wedding. But we, oh, Arnold's uh, ex's wedding, mm-hmm. uh, ex of eleven years, I believe. So they've been. I just don't understand the invitation. I yeah. don't understand the invitation either. Um, how close have these people been in those eleven years? Because if you haven't been communicating, I'm not sure you can. He, ha- he has no idea who she's marrying. Yeah. like they're not close. No. So I have no idea why she would invite him. Is it one of those scenarios where you invite them because you think you're meant to, but because it's in Italy, they, you think they won't RSVP, and then but they just show up? Why would you ever feel like you have to invite someone that you haven't spoken to if or really been close to in eleven years? Yeah. Who is an ex? One of the things I've noticed about getting old. Unless you're BFFs, <laughs> don't invite an ex to a wedding. I just think that's weird. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I agree. Inviting ex to weddings at all is odd. <laughs> yeah. But um, one of the things I'm learning as I'm getting older, not old, but older, is that. <laughs> Thanks for the correction, Brad. Yeah. Needs- he just want you to know he's not old. I'm not old. I'm not. <laughs> I'm young at heart. The is the thing that I don't have to invite everybody to everything and that yeah. that's okay. And if people want to get pissy and shitty about that, well, that's their business. Um, sometimes you just don't want 800 people to come to your wedding yeah. and that's okay. Mm. I feel like you're holding something back here. <laughs> no, I had something happen to me literally yesterday in which I went out um, clubbing, which is not something I do very often. Sure. I went out with two friends and my girlfriend um, and there was a big drama because we didn't invite one other person oh, and right. it's still continuing. And I was like, I have not been in this situation since I was 17. Yeah. I don't know what's going. So I've just completely disengaged. Some people I have s- no interest in it. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's absurd. I have to Whatever. agree. Anyway. Um, so he's come over and uh, so our criticism of Arnold last season was that he was amusing, mm-hmm. funny sort of character, but yeah. we, I, we didn't really know. Who or what he was? Well, I just felt like he was from a different show, and like, don't I enjoyed his humor? I think mm. Eric Wareheim is hilarious. I've I've always loved um the stuff he's done before, but in terms of the show I was seeing in season one, I was like, I don't understand where you fit. Um, and he certainly still is a heightened um character com- comparative to a lot of the other characters in this show. Yeah, but in seeing um him and Dev. On their little adventures, God, it's charming. I was yeah. like, just watching them, you know, eat delicious food, have little adventures, and then as the season goes on, we see a little bit more of their friendship um, and how they actually relate to each other. In even in this episode, actually talking about relationships yeah. and you know what do they mean and how do we define them and how do we define ourselves both in and out of them. Um, I really enjoyed and. 
yeah, I was surprised that I liked this episode as much as I did. I didn't think it was great, but I liked it much more than I thought I would considering it's just really about Deb and Arnold. I feel the same way. I think a big part of it is that this is, I think one of the things I said in the last episode about Master of None was that their friendship was never challenged at any stage. We never got a chance to define it. They just sort of were, had this cutesy way of talking, little bud, big bud and all this sort of stuff. And we never really got to find out why they were friends beyond Mm. that. And this episode, first we've got Arnold, who we find is actually suffering with this sort of sense of longing and regret around his ex. And so already he's actually being challenged on an emotional level, on a personal level, which is great. Then you've got him not telling Dev the entire truth about the situation. Then you've got them when they're stressed in the car, when they're trying to figure out which way they're driving (laughs) and get stuck. So funny (laughs) And you see them actually get a little bit annoyed. It's not it's not extreme. Yeah. They, don't, they don't run with it. But they mm. see you get them just challenged each other a yeah. little bit there. And it's good because I get to understand the boundaries of their friendship, what it what it really looks like and where it ends a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate that. It made Arnold more of an actual person mm-hmm. while he's still very heightened, as you said, yeah. and also actually made their friendship, gave it a lot more context, I thought. Yeah, um, I think so. And I think that's it was needed and I'm glad it was the second episode of the season. Yeah, me too. Mm. And then so the other stuff around this, apart from Arnold's ongoing sort of um, trying to figure out how he feels about his ex, that this sudden longing to have her, her back in his life um, and then eventually being able to let her go and just enjoy the wedding, Dev is, I think since the end of the last episode, I think we see this, that he is texting or emailing with Rachel, Rachel again. Yeah, because in the last episode, he gets an email, I believe, That's about right. his birthday. Yes. Yeah. And then he starts to reply back. And in this one, they're sending texts to each other, which... Once again, relatable. Very, extremely <laughs> relatable. Yeah, you're like, this is fun and it is validating to me in a way that I need. I'm not getting it from anyone else. Yep. Um, it's easy, uh, it's like, familiar, it feels right, we, but it's also something all, I can't have. Yeah, we all know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that it is dangerous mm-hmm. and so unhealthy to do that. Um, but it feels good, so we do it anyway. And it's just—it's not just relatable in terms of the feelings. The methodology, like the method of it, of it being text messages, yeah. and how in this world now where you don't have to have a conversation on a phone which can t- completely takes all your attention at that time yeah. almost schedule it into your into your sh- into your life we don't have this situation where you're sending an email via post and it takes ages for things mm. oh, sorry mail mail just snail mail <laughs> normal paper mail via post where it takes ages to happen mm. in this age where everyone's got their computers in their pockets you're on literally different sides of the planet and can instantaneously text each other back and forth and just text when it's convenient yeah. whether little that's, injections of happiness whenever you want them yeah, yeah little injections and you can be doing anything sitting on a train waiting for a meal to arrive whatever it is yeah. and just that instant gratification. Yeah. You've been on a bad date, bam, text someone that, you know, makes you feel good. Oh, I feel better all of a sudden. Yeah. And how and the other thing about texting is just obviously it can because it's written and it's such short little bursts and often is in we use shorthand, it's not mm. always it's context and meaning and uh the yeah, emotion behind it is not always obvious. So you yeah. can read into it as little or as much as you want and get what you need out of mm. what might not be there at all in the intention of There's a of great Key oh. and Peele sketch about 
text relationships going back and forth and yeah misconstruing things and putting things onto it's actually really good right so if you can find that sketch everyone and i recommend you watch it. it's keen peel um i'll send the link and we put them in put it in the show notes that'd be awesome it's cool. very yeah relevant to how we live our lives now excellent yeah but i just found again much like um much like the stuff with the losing the phone and losing that girl's number uh sarah's number the episode before extremely relatable mm-hmm. and just able to apply just put my entire experience in life on top of this and go oh yeah i know exactly what you're doing here yeah and how tempting what you're doing is and how easy easy it is to fall into this trap whether it's with somebody who's an ex for reasons that aren't necessarily malicious or even to go back to a bad relationship mm. just because they might be more willing they might be uh, it's easy for for you to do it because you know they're still interested or whatever it yeah. is boy oh boy it's really easy to do <laughs> anyway yeah, we've all done it it's okay yeah. Um, was there anything else about that episode specifically? I don't think so. I think it was a fun little outing, but nothing too much deeper there, I don't think. Agreed. All right. Episode three, religion. Back mm. in New York, a visit from observant Muslim relatives puts Dev in a tricky position. He introduces his cousin to a forbidden pleasure, pork. Mm. So this is an episode um, that is sort of familiar or similar to some of the episodes in last season, I would say, where they sort of related to a specific topic or idea and sort of revolve more around that rather than yeah. having... then It's less of a short film and more of a like, let's explore this topic in relation to Dev and the fact that... And coming from a... He's a second-generation American mm. and comes from an immigrant family I mean, in New this York. certainly felt like part two of that episode in season one where we like... Are talking about immigrant stories and parents. Definitely, yes. Yeah. It's almost yeah, exactly. it's a continuation of that. Pretty much, very much in the same. Yeah, it could almost be a, a sequel episode to mm-hmm. that one. Um, and I'd like it for similar reasons. I don't think it's as. It certainly lacks the emotional um, resonancy for me as mm-hmm. say the last episodes. Just having those little moments around Dev sort of loneliness and longing, um, but I did appreciate the conversation it was having. Again, similar to, I've had this problem before where things about religion, I find fascinating as someone who identifies as sort of being an atheist, yep. but also feel like the conversation's been had so many times that I, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm sort of my maid's mind up, my mind is made up on this and unless you've got something new to introduce to me, um, yeah. I, yeah. Obviously, he's, it's a little bit different for him coming from a very strict sort of mm. uh, religious I, family. I appreciate that this take on religion has to do with um, the story of what it means to be an immigrant and the um, how religion brings a sense of community and also um, holding on to a cultural past or the culture that you've brought over with mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. and passing that down um, to your kids and hoping that they – you know, don't lose it because it's obviously very important to you. I appreciate that. Do I like this episode? Not really. No. 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 Um, I think the parents are great in small doses because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've spoken about before, they're not actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that coupled with, I think, a mind-blowingly bad performance by the person who plays his cousin, I think it is. Sure, yeah. Is so bad that I'm just like, I don't know even... Are you an actor? I don't know who you are, but I don't think he is. I think that might actually be his actual cousin. Isn't yeah, that from? Bad. If I may, may or may not be right about this. Mm. I think it might be Liam, my brother, telling me this. Yeah, but in Ziz- Ziz Ansari stand up. He often talks about his cousin. 
I believe that's his cousin. I thought his cousin was like a 13-year-old. That's the cousin he was I think he, he might have been about. when he was doing his stand-up. Right. But okay. not since he made this season in the last 12 months. I really? think, yeah. I think his stand-up wasn't like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, no, no. But he only needs to be five years older to be 18 and look like a man, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, I think that might actually be the cousin. Oh, okay. Um, Either way, the one they talk about being like a model and stuff like that. Yeah, really, really not great. No, not great. Um, so those things, like it just, it was too much, and I hated. Yeah, when they're together and like talking about food and stuff, like I was just distracted. Didn't I? Didn't like it. Um, and then what really resonated with me was actually the conversation between Dev and his dad, and which his dad's just like you know, it hurts your mother's feelings. Mm-hmm. It makes her feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. And that was really good and poignant and a lovely moment. Um, so that helped this episode. But it, yeah, as someone who grew up religious um, and who like personally moved away from it, I thought I would identify with this episode quite a lot. And I just didn't. And I think maybe it's a part of what you were bringing up earlier in, in which it's like, well, I've seen that conversation before. Is it bringing anything new? Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that it did. Um, I certainly think it's. We're living in an age at the moment. We're seeing this story told a little bit more. The immigrant story, mm. and specifically like second generation or third generation um, Americans living in places like New York, who are choosing to move away from their parents' religion. It's coming up a lot. Um, I don't want to. I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, but if I would recommend watching The Big Sick. Um, if that's something that interests you as well, mm-hmm. which is, um, uh, I can't remember the actor, uh, Camille Nanjiani, that's his name. Um, it's a, sh- a film, it's a couple of hours long, um, which has a lot to do with uh, his Sri Lankan culture and background, particularly arranged marriage. And his story involving his parents is very similar mm. in a lot of ways to this episode in particular. Right. Um, but the difference was that Kamal got real actors to play his parents, not his mm. actual parents. Yeah. And that helps a lot because I understand, I do understand the impulse to have that authenticity. He doesn't think, like, if if Dev doesn't feel like, um, or Aziz, I should say, doesn't feel like other actors feel right for his parents, at some stage getting people who actually know how to perform in front of camera is really important. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's something that, mm. yeah, the, the big sick does well. Particularly if, like, the dialogue is so either so pared back mm-hmm. um, or it's so, like, bam, 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 Woody Allen-esque. Mm. For both of those things, you need real actors. That, definitely. Um, and that's quite often what the dialogue is like in this show. And so you, you feel this chasm of disconnect um, sometimes in not all the time, but sometimes in scenes with like the parents or people who aren't actors. It's a it's a thing as simple as being able to really actually take direction though and understand what that means to be able to mold and change performance. Even if you don't necessarily approach the scene and know it straight away, mm. the director does know what he wants. And if you're a paid a professional actor, you know how to give them that yes. once they want it. Um, whereas someone who isn't doesn't perform isn't acting for a living doesn't know how to do that. They're not yeah. trained to do that. Mm. Um, I also. Yeah, in this episode, I understand, like, you know, moving away from your parents' religion and making your own choices and articulating that to your family mm-hmm. is very important. Yes. The way that Deb does it, I think, is just incredibly disrespectful sure. and terrible. Um, 
the fact that like just the idea that he would order pork mm-hmm. without ever having a conversation, something that is Do it incredibly that in insulting yeah. to everyone else at the table and to act as though like, you know, I should be allowed to do this. Of course, you're allowed to do it, but why would you? Yeah. Just I was like, oh, that's terrible. That's a terrible. Would you consider thing to it do. selfish? A selfish way of doing it? Like he is his choice. Selfish of and when spiteful. To do it. Yeah. I, I find it to be. I was like, mm, you're an asshole. Yeah, I think it's fair. <laughs> Which is maybe what they're going for. But I was like, eh, I don't know about that one. The um, I, I think this story, as I said, this story seems to be tell- being told a lot at the moment lately, mainly because we're starting to get a few more minority voices on mm. television and in pop culture in general, which is great. What I hope is we can sort of get this story told enough times that we can start to build onto the next story that follows yes. on from this. Yeah. Um, this is starting to become a bit rote now. Mm-hmm. Not to say this is it's conversation is not worth having. Of course it is. Yeah. But I have seen it a lot now. What's the next story that builds on this? Which now is, that we get past the understanding yeah. that the next generation may not be as religious as their parents, what happens next? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah, It's kind of like with the the coming out stuff, which we'll yes. obviously talk about later. It's like we've had so many of the, the same boring, shitty coming out stories, sure. which is so tired for, any I think, any gay person to watch over and over again. It's like, oh, come on. Right. Um, and I think this season they give us, that's the coming out story, what's the next and I think they give us a good example of that. That being said, we're we're sitting here saying, "Oh, I've seen this story a million times." If you're someone who feels like this is like your story is being told for the first time, and you really like this episode, please don't let me us take that away from you. Um, uh, yeah, like- no, I am sure that the ex- first of all, we aren't children. We're not like second generation. Exactly right. By any stretch of the imagination, um, and so I think if you haven't seen any kind of that of that representation and that's who you are seeing it five times on screen compared to the 500 white people bullshit <laughs> stories. It's still really important you to know, have and you're the grasping. The rich well off parents yeah. and you don't feel like you kind of belong <laughs> and you go and find people who are mm, like you in high school. How do you become popular? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So seeing this is still incredibly <laughs> important and I think we, we probably do need to see it another 4,000 times. Probably. And they deserve to see it as much as we see ourselves. 100% agree with So, I just want to say that. And that was probably really ignorant comments coming from us. Um, But, you know, we want to delve further into what it means to be either first gen, second gen, what uh, immigrant is. Because they're not stories that we've seen. That's the thing. I'm looking forward to, as I said, the next step of that when we feel like... That that we're Mm. ready for that. Because I think in some ways it feels like we keep having to go back to this story because... We're worried if it's been represented enough yet. Anyway, mm, yeah. not important. I actually, I thought this episode was fine. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. Yeah, I, and I particularly like the last couple of moments, which I thought gave it that little nugget of heart that I wanted. What's the last moment? Where we see, basically we see Dev's parents in Temple or whatever it is they call I couldn't, I wouldn't oh, tell you the right And yes. they're sort of like in their community. The comparison the, of community. community yes. And how important ritual is yes. and friendship is. Ab- I, that is absolutely, I think, the best part yes. and the most poignant part of the yes. episode. There yes. is, you might, you'll notice there's no dialogue in this scene. It's just... Just direction Just through and direction yep. and editing exactly right. Mm-hmm. You can see the comparison. You can see that while Dev is not religious like his parents is, he does still have... they What they get from their religion, he gets from his... Friendships, friendships and food and... and yep. not, exactly. And living in New York in his lifestyle and it's like... I love that because to me, that speaks to me as someone who is an atheist. And people look at me and go, oh, you, you don't have a sense of community or you don't have a... S- you got footy? 
I got footy exactly yeah. right. I talk about a lot about how that's religion. Yeah. But seriously, there are things in there that replace it to some degree. And some people might think they're shallow. The fact that I like gaming and I go to things like PAX, which mm. allows me to enjoy board games and video games with my yeah. friends and be a part of something that's bigger than myself and the same with football. And people might look at that and go, well, that's materialistic and dumb. But I think religion's dumb, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, mine's certainly television. It's the thing that well, I like use to connect to people. It's also a great way to like learn about morality and moralizing good and evil. What are my values? That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, television is definitely become my religion since leaving Christianity. So what's this? Is this your sermon? Even during Christianity, this... I was more connected to TV. What's this show? Have you made yourself sort of a uh, priest in the television religion? Is this your <laughs> sermon now? Are we going to your church? I consider this podcast like an evangelical um, call-in. <laughs> give me we're, five bucks We're and I'll doing save this you. wrong, <laughs> if that's the case, because they are making... Have you seen the houses of those sorts of I've seen the houses, the estates, the private planes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we need to get in that market. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Episode four, first date. Sucked into a popular dating app, Dev winds up on a string of awkward, fun, and disorientating dates with very different women. Uh, so, this episode has a great start i think with mm. we're not we just see before the opening titles we see all these women um in very varied situations That's right, going swiping. through swiping through a tinder-esque type dating app mm-hmm. um one's at a funeral i think the first one's at a funeral actually which is really <laughs> seemed really fucked up yeah yeah um and then some in social situations some in all sorts of different I places i appreciate the woman on the toilet because i'm like yeah i've totally done that absolutely yeah. what else am i meant to be doing i don't no one's got newspapers or magazines in their toilet anymore I'm going to find true love instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we move into the meat of the episode after the titles, um, which is basically Dev seemingly going on the same day at the same restaurant, which is an interesting move. Um, but <laughs> I know quite a few people that have like their spot. Their spot. Yeah. Yeah, you never, never worry you're going to go there one day because you, you've taken several people there. They'll like it too and then go, oh, it's you again. Why didn't you ever talk to me I don't ever know. again? I wouldn't want to go to a place where I, I went a on shitty a shitty day. day. Yeah. Sure, yeah, fair enough. Um. Even if, yeah, yeah, good point. The, and so this episode, I wouldn't say is particularly deep. It is very, very well made, though. It's, it's, it comes back to that. It's a short film that is incredibly engaging. Absolutely. And great filmmaking, great writing, Mm -hmm. great performances throughout, great editing. Really, editing is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I would like to see this episode on page. I'd like to see what the script for this episode Mm. looked like because I'm sure a lot of that rhythm, a lot of that pace, while it would have morphed a little bit in editing, was probably there mostly. It feels like it's quite well structured. Um, But just essentially, yeah, it's like these, I I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen dates that Dev is on that are have varied degrees of success um, and we just shift between them and it, again, much like the whole texting thing, if you've ever done, been sort of dating and especially using these like dating apps and stuff like that and what it means to just meet a random person based off a photo and yeah. a brief bio and, and just decide to meet up with them. And do it over and over and over, over, and over again. Over, yeah. yeah. And the range of people that you come across. Yeah. I've never got, I personally have never got more than like in a period of that, more than three sort of in a row. And then I've, right. I don't know, maybe I'm just found too person. easy. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe I'm too picky or maybe no one wants to date me. I'm not sure what it is, but the, <laughs> I, I haven't gone to the sort of lengths that Dev has gone to. 
um, in terms of the amount of dating he's yeah. done. But having been on a few of those even, I'm like, yep, yeah, I know the exact feeling. Mm. The, the, the first one I ever went on was super awkward and weird. Oh, really? And, uh, just, just you, you know very quickly that it wasn't... Yeah. Wasn't going to... There was nothing a lot there. Yeah. Conversation. The first one I went on was fantastic. It was really? Yeah, really good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, I got nothing yeah. the first one. Second one wasn't so bad, and the third one I'm currently with that woman. <laughs> I'm like, that's Steph. She's my girlfriend. So, yeah. So, that went pretty well, that one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done like half a dozen people in like a short amount of time. Yeah. It's usually like three or four, have a bit of a break, three or four again, have a bit of a break. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun. <laughs> Did you? I love dating. <laughs> Do really you? Good. Yeah, I really do. I'm, I like- re- I'm really good at it. I'm really good on a first date oh, and a second date and a third date. And I'm a fantastic girlfriend. I'm just great all around, really. Cool. <laughs> um, so no, what- I think it's – no, I, I love internet dating because you go on this first date and you can project whatever you want to project because you don't know this person and you're probably never going to see them again. It's fant- It's so freeing. As someone who has, like, a lot of anxiety, it's yeah, incredibly – Yeah, I can't believe that It's you- incredibly freeing because, like – like, what are the consequences there? There aren't really any. Yeah, true. It's fantastic. I love it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, what do you think of this episode overall? Just um, its story. Obviously, we've already talked about we like the way it was made. It's a very mm-hmm. well-made episode. Um, I think it's like it'd be easy to compare this to one of their like topical yeah. ones. Um, I th- just because of it was told so differently, though I appreciated more than say religion, right? Mm-hmm. Than the religion episode about religion called religion. Yeah, I've seen um, little moments on other shows about like internet dating and what mm. it's like to be on Tinder, and isn't it oh so funny and wacky and blah. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt a lot more based in reality of like what the actual thing is like, the function of it. Yeah. Um, how exhausting it can be. Um, yeah, it was much it seemed much more based in reality, and I thought it was really good. Yeah, I really liked it as well. It's one of those. I think if you looked at the concept and someone said, "Okay, it's going to be a twenty-minute short film about this one person going on dates with eight different women, and we'll cut between them," yeah. and it's like, "Oh yeah, I could see that being a student film." Yeah, my notes would have been, "I've seen it before. Seems unoriginal." Right. Probably like developed a little bit more. Yeah. But as we've said a million times. Or at the end of the day, it always comes down to execution. It can, mm-hmm. You can tell the same story that's been said a million times. But if you tell it well, yeah. then it'll still work. Yeah. And this is exactly that example. It's just I, yeah. really well, well made. Like you said, you wanted to see the script. I'd like to see the script for every one of these episodes sure. in season two. Because, because I think so much of what makes Master of None great is its direction and editing. I think the scripts a lot of the times are quite basic, mm-hmm. very simple. The dialogue isn't super fantastic, um, but the direction and editing, yeah, yeah, hits it out of the park. Um, I need to double check this. Was this the episode actually that was directed by Aziz? Because he directs. I think a this few is episodes. Eric Wareheim. Uh, you're right. Is Eric yeah. Wareheim? Yeah. So, like, you look at that uh, core creative. Uh, sort of talent around it mm. beyond the act. Like, it's obviously a very, what's the word I'm looking for here? Focused sort of creative group around yes. this. Um, where it's Seems not like the a actors real and the other team. writers are also mm. the directors. Yeah. Um, which is great because you do get a very consistent and very um, mm. well, gr- uh, well articulated voice, I guess. Yes. And this is a great example maybe, of that. Yeah, maybe that allows for them to have these 
simple bare scripts and it's okay because everyone along the way knows what that means, knows what it's going to look like, what the package is as a whole, and they're not just completely separate departments. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Which is always, I mean, of course you're going to benefit from everyone being on the same page. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just so confident. And so it's second season, and Aziz has not made anything before this except his stand-up, really. He's been on sitcom television, yeah. but it's just, he's a natural at this stuff. Yeah, I, would love- I mean, he's clearly a fan, which we get from episode one of this season. He's, he's a fan of film. He's like a total fanboy film nerd. Sure. And- it's one thing to be a fan, though. To be a, uh, a consumer or a critic and then also to be able to turn that and actually understand how to then make that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying every fan can do sure. it, but that's clearly what he's coming from. He has a very clear understanding of what makes those films what they are, what works, what doesn't, and implementing that into his own work is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly yeah, something to marvel at, and I appreciate it as a viewer. Just before we move on to episode five, I, I, I'm done talking about this episode, I think. We didn't go in, I mean, there's not really any narrative to go into here except that there are several dates of the different – that just tell all these little stories that are worth just – watching themselves and taking them mm. and just experiencing them basically. Yeah. There's not really one straightforward narrative here. Um how do you feel about the move back from Italy to New York inside from episode two to three as well? Um did you want more Italy? Did you expect more Italy? Were you happy that we're back in New York? Um I was happy that we were back. I don't think I needed more Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, then again, I wouldn't have been opposed to a, just a season in Italy. I, I don't know. I don't think yeah. I would have been either. I could have <laughs> I seen that, that too. Fine. Yeah. Um, it wasn't jarring to be back in New York. Um, I didn't really think about it. I think it was kind of a smooth transition, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. What about you? What, what no, I agree. Thoughts? It's funny. Like, I think when, when episode three started, I was like, oh, we're back in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's a shame. I was really enjoying Italy. But right. then once you're getting into it, obviously, they've got a lot to talk about yeah. in New York. And this is Aziz's... A, uh, this is Aziz's Home ter- hometown, he's sort of... That's where most of his stories take place, while yeah. Italy isn't. And there's only so much he can probably say about that experience before he needs to come back. And I mean, that's the thing about travelling too, right? How travel changes you is very important when you come back home. And so... Yeah, no, kind of mould yourself back into who you were before or completely change. What's, exactly you know, right. Um, all right. Episode five, The Dinner Party. Mm. After welcoming the Jabberwockies to his show, Dev struggles to find the right date to take to a dinner party thrown by his celebrity chef boss. So, um, we had we seen his cupcake because he got the job doing the what's the show called? The cupcake Clash of the Cupcakes. Clash of the Cupcakes. Thank you. Um, which is you know obviously poking fun at cupcake wars. Just. Well, reality television in general, specifically around cooking. Yeah. Um, yeah, my girlfriend was like, "Is like, what show is this? Like, who would watch this? I'm like, well, no, the, the, like, these shows exist. They like, do exist. And they're very popular. Very. Like, yeah. She's like, but it's just like two versions of a cupcake. I'm like, yeah, I know. People fucking eat it up. Literally and... Um, Figuratively. Figuratively. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, this one we see a little bit of... I think we spent a little bit of time... Um, with Chef Chef Jeff. Chef Jeff. Um, who's a very interesting character. Who is it just, Anthony Bourdain? No, no, that is What's the 
Uh, Cannavale. Uh, yeah, Bobby. no, no. I mean, like, oh, the sorry, real... is that who he's who's going for? I mean, I don't know. His cadence is. I'm just double checking. That I'm talking about. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. His cadence is almost exactly the same as Anthony Bourdain. I, I obviously don't watch enough food television or know enough about mm. the foods chef celebrity culture because I don't know who that is really. Yeah. Uh, he does these really cool food documentaries. Right. He's, he's actually really good. Great. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, is he known to have some dark back story? No, in his, his that's good. um, I believe fiance is actually one of the women who um, has accused Harvey Weinstein. Is that right? Yes. And he obviously is this, totally supportive of her in that. And yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, but that we does will. not seem coincidental. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, and so, Dev, what's the other obvious important thing about this episode is that Francesca is in mm, town. Francesca. Coming over with her, uh, what's her? Pino. Pino. Pino, that's right. Her fiance, he's in town working. She's in, in America with him. And uh, needs someone to hang out with. She spends some time mm-hmm. with Dev. Their good friend Dev. Dev takes her to the most ridiculous dinner party of all time. <laughs> where no, I go to dinner parties all the time where John Legend just starts playing. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Fucking hell. <laughs> and they have ridiculous <laughs> rooftops with amazing uh, views of New York City. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That happens mm-hmm. to me all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've all this been is where there. it starts getting a little bit less relatable because I wish I lived that sort of cosmopolitan lifestyle. Yeah, what, uh, what a life! Ridiculous. Um, but I don't know. Before we get to the ending, which I think is the bit that oh, needs to be discussed, yes. right? Was there anything else like about all my this? notes throughout that? How do you ending. how do you just feel about Francesca at this point in the series as a character? At this point, in at the this series, point, yeah. I don't think a lot about her because no. she's not. There's not a whole lot to her. I mean, she's beautiful. I think she's a woman that's kind of ridiculously is beautiful to be born to be on camera. She's mm. stunning to look at. Um and just a great actress. I don't want to just, no, just talk excellent. about the way she looks. She's a great yeah. actress as well. Um it's a bit like um Gal Gadot when just when she's on screen you're like, "Oh my god." It's almost distracting. Yeah, it is just it is yeah. full stop distracting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but beyond that, you certainly understand why Dev would be attracted to her, want to spend time with her. Yeah. Because she's obviously beautiful, very cute. They have nice nice little like riff-offs, which is nice. Yeah. Um, not dissimilar to his dynamic with Rachel yep. or a lot of women in the series, um, which is good. You can see why she would, you know, want to hang out with him because, you know, he's fun. He takes her on ridiculous adventures. Ridiculous That like adventures. are completely out of her reality because she just lives in a small town in Italy um, working in a pasta shop. So you can see why she would be drawn to that. But there's, I don't think there's a lot there to talk about, at, certainly at this stage. Uh, I mean, from, at this stage, yes, you're right. There's not At this stage, I didn't know where the show was going, mm-hmm. right? So I remember Francesca in episode one and thinking, just thinking, well, she's just stunning. Like, you're <laughs> ridiculous. Um, yeah. And then when she comes back in and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But I didn't necessarily think we were going to go there. I still, for some reason, thought we were going to end up Talk going back to Rachel a bit more, mm-hmm. right? Um, only because they'd hinted at that and sort of when you put the the texting thing in, it feels a little bit like Chekhov's text. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's going to come back up at some stage. He might move away from that for a while, but he'll end up coming back to it. Yeah. And Francesca being there was fun, but didn't necessarily know specifically that's where it was going. 
Um, I also was just yeah. thinking to myself, oh, I wanted to go to Italy 10 seconds ago. Now I just want to go back to New York. Like, just mm. why, am I, why aren't I living in New York? Why aren't I, why aren't I there? It's um, such a great place. Money is why. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is the reason. And then I look at my yeah. bank account and go, oh, that's why. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did think that the Francesca relationship, I'm, by that I mean friendship mm. um, or crush, would be speaking to a larger issue or theme um, that is kind of centralised around Deb and Rachel. Yes, exactly what I was thinking Whether too. that becomes fully realised at the end, we'll discuss as we go along. Sure. But that's where I thought we were veering to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not so much that this was going to be a big question of whether Deb and Francesca should or shouldn't be, yeah. but whether what how this reflected yeah. back onto exactly. Rachel later. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, that's why I thought it was going to be more yeah. of as well. Particularly because the... It didn't seem sustainable. Like, she comes in, she's visiting from Italy, it's a cameo situation, she's the fish out of water this time. Mm-hmm. It's just a way to explore a different side of the whole travelling thing. He was in her country, now she's in his country. Mm-hmm. Um, so that ending, when he's been on this ridiculous date with her to this dinner party where John Legend is, just happens to be playing... <laughs> Um, where world-class chefs are baking you food yeah. and, like, you know, rooftop views of New York, et cetera, et cetera. And he drops her off at the hotel. And he, Chef Jeff has said to him earlier, I, I, sometimes I feel like if Chef Jeff hadn't said, obviously have feelings for her, he might not have ever realised it. Mm. It's like, it's when someone finally, like, points it out to you. It's like, this, this is a beautiful woman who seems to be yeah. attracted to you. Why the fuck aren't you doing something about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think that's I haven't thought about that, but yeah, that's it's, quite true. It's like you it's asshole. Been, <laughs> why would you Why would you put that in my mind? There's certainly been moments in my life where someone's been like, "Oh, what's going on between you and this person?" I was like, and I've just gone like, "Don't, just don't like don't 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 put that energy out there." Absolutely. If, like, if I haven't recognised it, then it's not there. But if you're putting it out there, when someone else starts to from the outside starts going, it's like, "Oh yeah." yeah. You guys obviously like. Oh, oh there's could something you, there. Could you not? Yeah, it's like I'm not sure there is, but now I think now there I is. think there is. A third party <laughs> said it. Obviously, it's true. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the s- audience of my life have told me of the exactly. obvious protagonist that that's where my life's going. So I guess that's where it's going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we end with this scene of him, Dev, in the back of this Uber or taxi, whatever it is. Just it's got to be an Uber. Yeah. Uber. One long shot of him just sitting, stewing in his own conflicted feelings, but from the hotel to his house. And I don't think Aziz Ansari is the best actor in the world. I think there are a couple of moments in there because the shot is made to linger and not mm. you're not cutting away at all. That maybe could have been a little smoothed over, but fucking hell, overall, the it is exquisite. I love it. It is so... <laughs> So good and effective. Yeah. And you are just, again, it's another example of being transported into this like, fuck, I know this car ride. Yeah. I know this feeling. You project I know. onto it and you like every, like, you see the thoughts. You Like, you can actually see the thoughts going like through it. Like the, the oh no, the disappointment, the anger at yourself for one, feeling those things, two, actually not doing anything about it, then like scolding yourself for feeling that way because obviously it's inappropriate. You see the hope. It's just like this like myriad of emotions and we see every single one. Can I just read the note I wrote as I watched this mm-hmm. bit? Oh, wow, that ending was so good. It's such a clear illustration of a whole complex series of emotions. Mm-hmm. How can you not get feelings for a woman that beautiful when you've been alone and struggling on the dating scene, trying to recapture that feeling you had once upon a time and just continuously being so close yet continue, 
continually out of reach. I've had that car ride home, and while maybe a touch overacted, love that they let it last uh, the what that way back to devs. Oh, and that poetic irony of that text message from Fran- that Francesca said him heartbreaking. So I think at this time, actually, yeah. just reflecting back on my feelings, was that she would not have any feelings, but he. I think I've been in this situation as well where someone is just so attractive Mm. and even though there's nothing actually there that is being shared between the two of you, you can't help but be that, but pine for that because you're lonely, you're missing something. This person showing you attention, they are incredibly Mm. sort of attractive. So when you get a text like that, which can be completely innocent Mm. and just be cute banter between friends, but you just skew it that little bit and all of a sudden it's romantic yeah, and just adds another layer on top of your desire. Fucking hell, yeah. man. I, I think I certainly Ugh. identified with that when I was much younger, that feeling. Um, but as a queer woman, you learn to turn that off really quickly. Oh, You're like, oh, it's just not a possibility. Right. And it's inappropriate to project romantic feelings coming from a straight woman. It's just, it's not appropriate or like or healthy to do that so you just learn to cut it off really quickly no i mean that's that's uh that is ultimately what everyone has to do and what dev Mm. ultimately will have done as well but you can't help your mind wandering there and exploring i I mean i think what i'm saying is i think it's easier to do that when the other person is the same sexuality as you sure yeah (laughs) so you can allow for like that hope of because there is more hope the possibility is more likely that she would be reciprocating that in some sort of way you know whether it's just energies yeah but yeah i mean we've all i think we've all had that car ride where you're just like oh the powerlessness um that feeling you got we're like oh no (laughs) oh no and then you start to daydream, but you have to stop yourself, but you can't help you daydreaming again. And it's just, it's yeah. just, it's, it's the just fi- a it's perfect scene. The fighting of the of willpower of like, oh no, oh, I'm going to indulge, don't indulge, I'm going to indulge. Oh, I feel sick. Yeah. Masterful. So, <laughs> so good. good. So good. <laughs> so good. Uh, episode six, New York, I love you. Uh, as Devon friends head to a theatre to see their, the hit movie Death Castle, the lives of several ordinary New Yorkers intersect in subtle ways. So, this is an anthology episode. It is indeed. um, Which can be very cool. Um, And a wonderful love letter to New York, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I was just stretching. I wasn't doing a thing. Oh, I was wait. I had a few... No, I just... I hate... I think I just hate the term love letter to New York. Oh, sure. Okay. (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) it's literally called New York, I love you. There's no way around it. It's just because... All right, so in, in my notes, um, I've just written, it feels like you're actually experiencing the city. So many shows talk about the setting being such an integral part of it, like being a love letter to New or York. Or being a character but, in the show yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, but this show actually commits to that, yes. which I like. Because I, I think the the use of love letter to New York is overused because it's a love letter to a, a particular type of New York um, that is, you know, white and rich um, I think it goes beyond that. It's just that New York is so iconic and like... But in a way, as people... Like, I've I've been there, obviously, but yeah. feels on screen a little postcardy, a little plastic. Um, Again. Not like, like the, the feeling of a true city. Yes. Which is different than what I'm experiencing in this episode, 
which is it feels like I'm in the city. It feels like I'm experiencing something. Well, that's 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 interesting though because I would say the idea of a love letter, right? Mm. The thing about a love letter is a love letter in of itself doesn't necessarily reflect reality, right? A love letter is Depends about... Depends how good you are at writing love letters. Possibly, but it can be... Uh, schmaltzy and hokey and a little bit postcardy and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like the, I, I agree with you that this is a better version of that. If yeah. we're going to call it a love letter to New York, this is better because it actually does explore what makes New York or a different perspective of what makes New York great. It's more than just the iconic skyline and mm. the Statue of Liberty and Wall Street and Midtown and, yeah. you know, and all those things that are, Sometimes when people talk about a love letter to New York, they just mean it was set in New York and I had to do a really good well, job yeah, of that, like showing it off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 But I, I don't think that necessarily, yes. I can see why you want to reject the term love letter to New York when you associate with those things. Yeah. Fair enough. So what would you, would do you have another name for it or another, would would you identify this as being something else? Um... Do I think Love Letter New York still works okay if you're trying to just show this is what this is my New York and what I love about it? Yeah, and really getting a chance. It's just because like the term for me is overused. Sure, so, like, fair enough. And let's be like, I didn't go, oh, don't call it that. I just made a face because I hate the term. Oh, I, yeah. But it's <laughs> so like, you but can, you hate the term for a reason. You hate the yeah. term because of what it's come to represent. Yeah, because it's 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 been done and it's usually not something interesting. And I don't think that's what this is. I think this is interesting. You want to, you want to, you want to step away from that because you don't like the way it's been used previously. Yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. Okay. And so, what makes this one more interesting to you? Because I feel like I'm seeing a part of a city that doesn't get glorified. Doesn't get glorified, but also for a lot of people that live there, is a part of what defines it as being the city that it is. Definitely. Um. And, you know, it's it's interesting that we see in both the doorman section yep. and in, I think his name's Eddie, and in the taxi driver's section. I can't remember his name. I feel bad for not remembering the names. I'm not sure either. Um, I, can't, I don't think it happened in regards to the, the deaf woman, but we see the characters that are usually in those love letters to New York. Yes. Like the people who live in those ridiculous high-rise apartments, very wealthy, and the women in the back of the cab who are just like chatting about how fabulous they are and their lives are, are are relegated to the position of the doorman is usually relegated to or the taxi driver is usually usually relegated to, in which, you know, they they have one line – and then you forget that they're even in the scene. Yep. Then let they just you know they might as well be a part almost, of the yeah. taxi cab. Um, yeah. So I, I I enjoyed the the moving of the camera to something else that these people who live in the city who actually make the city run, mm-hmm. um, which I quite liked. Yeah. Make the city run and just New York living their own lives in the city. That's the and thing, what yeah. that means. What those yeah. lives and yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And then obviously the middle section is about the hearing impaired or deaf woman, mm-hmm. um, where the the choice to just not have any sound whatsoever, mm. which um, took me a while to actually register what was going on there. It like didn't hit me straight away. What do you mean? As in, the sound went out. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> Oh, my TV's broken. Something like that. Yeah, right. And it took me a little while to figure out that it was a deliberate choice. Yeah. Because it happens suddenly. It does. It's not a transition. It doesn't just quiet and it just stops. As it as the camera moves on to her story, mm-hmm. the sound is gone. And it's very engaging that, um, but quite brave because I think a lot of people 
not. I, I think the audience to this show is probably going to be fine with it, right? Mm. I think there are some people who would be annoyed or bored by that, wouldn't be able to engage with it properly because they, they have come to expect sound to go along with their television <laughs> and their TV shows. I know that sounds dumb, yeah. but I really do feel like you're you're asking your audience to come along with you on this one. And Some people just get angry if they have to read captions for two seconds. Seriously, like, oh, 100%. Absolutely, 100% yeah. right. And so it's not super brave, but um, but it's, it's a deliberate choice that I'm glad they made. Yeah, and I wholeheartedly approve of the choice. I think it's great. I mean, as someone who... I grew up in a household with a hearing impaired mother. We always had captions on the TV. Um, and just naturally the way that you communicate with someone who's hearing impaired or within a family of people um, who have hearing impairments, um, the way like, because I'm obviously not hearing impaired, but my mother is, and watching her go through life is very different than how I go through mm-hmm. life. So just being able to, it comes back to representation. It's like being able to see that on screen, I think is really important and really refreshing um, to look at. So yeah, people who complain for five minutes or 10 minutes of an episode where they're seeing something slightly different and feel the need to complain about that. Like I just don't have time for it. It's like, how many times have you seen you on screen? For fuck's sake. The, the funny thing is when you're talking about like how many times have you seen you on screen, the beauty of that storyline is as well that it is the most generic story exactly. of just it's like fantastic. a little bit of a relationship, some relationship tension, mm-hmm. but like one of the characters happens to be deaf. That's why I applaud um, queer storylines that aren't about being queer, yes. are just about relationships totally. or just about being a person. Because like- you know, if you're a deaf person or if you're a queer person, not every scene is going to be about, oh, I'm deaf. Isn't this a hardship? It's just like, well, I'm just having a normal fucking day and my good friend's stolen my goddamn jacket because I told her where to buy the jacket from. How how annoying. All yeah. of the, all of these storylines like that, though, this, the third storyline about the taxi driver is interesting, mm. too, because you go back and you see they're obviously uh, recent moved to America probably into New York. Mm-hmm. They're trying to sort of make their way. They're studying or working, whatever it is. There's a, there's a, a, several people living in this small apartment. Mm. The living situation is not ideal. It's not really commented upon. Yes, they talk about like try and keep it down because it's noisy in here and so on and so forth. But they're just wanting to have a good time. They're yeah. trying to get into a club. <laughs> they're not allowed in because they don't like the way they're dressed or they don't have any women with them. Yeah. They go and and just c- connect with other people yeah. and just live. Having I a good know. time. It's, it's a story about them just, yeah, just A day living. in the life of, yeah, ah. exactly. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
do you have any favorite anthology episodes from other series? Oh. I should have asked you this beforehand. Yeah. Off, the top of my, off the top of my mind, I can think of two that I like. Okay. Both are in animated shows, though. Number one is there's that Simpsons episode where there's like 20 stories or something like that in a row, where it just right. sort of goes from one to the next okay. to the next. But the other one I, I refer back to or, or think about straight away is in Avatar and season two of Avatar with the mm. uh, stories of Basing Say. Yeah, it's great. Uh, which includes the heartbreaking oh. Leave on the, Leaves on the Vine song from Iroh. Which will forever destroy me, even just thinking just, about it. Well, I don't even know why you'd bring that up. To be honest, it's, <laughs> it's ruined your day. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but anthology episodes, uh, while they've been done to death, can be really effective mm-hmm. when done well. I mean, I'm drawing a blank to be honest with you, but Got I'm sure there well. have been. If you think of any as we go along, uh, feel free to interject I'll just again. Scream. Yeah, just at the top of your lungs. Yep. For us, that'd be great. You ready to move on? Episode seven. Yay! Cool. Episode seven, door number three. Uh, a sweet. Job offer forces Dev to take stock of his priorities. Brian helps his dad with a romantic dilemma. A cupcake competition judge gets cold feet. Um, This little... Okay, spoiler. This is my least favorite episode it's of the season. It's mine as well. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> but it's it's for obvious reasons. It's... I'm so sick of Brian and I having the same goddamn opinion when it comes to favorite, least favorite. Anyway, go on. Um... <laughs> It's a fine episode. It functions totally fine as episode of television. It's sort of a follow-up. In a, we were saying the religion episode is a follow-up to the immigrant story mm. episode from season one. This is another one of those. I can't tell bit. you how little I care about Brian's dad dating. <laughs> like, I do not care. I don't you, find it interesting or funny or anything. I just it, don't like it. It's it's just like, oh, old people date. It's so boring. It's so, so boring. It's 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 not... It's not uh, an observation that I care much. That's very interesting to no. say that older people date. Cool. Well done. That is true. I guess that's right. And maybe we don't see a lot of that on television, and maybe that's why you want to put it out there. But you're right. It's not all that engaging or interesting. His like, dilemma between this woman who cooks amazingly and this woman who's got a great dog. Yeah. Uh, like I don't like I don't even care about Brian. Why on earth would I care about his dad? Brian is barely in the He's show. He's barely in it. He's I, barely like, there. I don't know why time is being spent on this. Um, and so, all right, so we have established we don't care about the the dating situation. Mm-hmm. We've got Dev moving away from Clash of the Cupcakes and wanting to step out a little yep. bit and making that decision and deciding what path he wants to take. His dad is very firmly on the side of, you've got a job, it pays, stay in it, um, which is probably the responsible and probably the right decision. But anyway. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, if I, the thing that I would be doing if I was Dev is not necessarily saying, I don't want to do it at all. I'd be saying, can I have a contract that's two or three seasons yeah, long instead of seven? Yeah. How about we just make this- I don't this, know why it has to be a have, yes or a no on Yeah, could we just maybe make this two or three seasons and let's re-explore this yeah. in a couple of seasons? Like- Stick to what you're doing for now. Get in, keep, keep building your profile, and then come back and talk about. Yeah. Then that's what you do. Yeah. That's Surely. negotiations. I, that's, I feel like that's his compromise. Agent that's have halfway happy. A, that's how you do it. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that this is the stepping stone for the next portion of the season. But that's exactly. That's what exactly it is. what it is. So it's there's nothing really defining this episode. I, I, I define this as a, a, as a workhorse episode. It is there to just way to put it. get the narrative to where it needs to be for the last act, basically, mm-hmm. of the of the season. It just is plot propulsive. All the Chef Jeff stuff 
is just there to get us to the ending. It's not there because it's got anything to say. Yes, I suppose there is a bit of a story about Dev trying to make a big decision about his career, and obviously that's very important, but it's not as interesting as any of the other stuff that's been going on. No, and not at all. It, it's fine. It works fine. It's not a it's not bad, right? It just isn't I consider the Brian's dad stuff bad. Okay. I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine. Mm. It's not offensive to me. It's not terribly done. It's just not nearly as engaging as the rest of the show has been mm. or can be. And so it's it's forgettable is the yeah. problem. Yes. It's not yeah, I don't look go and go blah, pooey, smelly, worst episode ever. It also I just go whatever. Yeah, it also doesn't help the position of this episode is between New York I Love You and Thanksgiving. And, then, and Thanksgiving. I mean it's, it doesn't help that it's part of a season that That's is great. full of great episodes. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem, yeah. is it's the weakest episode. What This would be a totally serviceable episode in normal season of television. In fact, it's perfectly se- serviceable here. It just doesn't do anything beyond that. And that's yeah. the problem. It's easy to pick it out and go, yeah, righto. Move on. Forgettable. I'm not going to think about this episode anymore. Yeah. In fact, let's not even de- let's not even give any more time to this episode. I don't think we should. <laughs> let's move on to something much more interesting. Episode 8, Thanksgiving. Over a series of Thanksgiving givings from the 90s to the present, Denise settles into her sexuality and faces the challenges of coming out to her family. Now, obviously, you've got nothing in common with this storyline, have no perspective on this whatsoever. No. Um, so, we should just move on to episode 9. Um, episode nine, um, <laughs> to Matt. Uh, give me your thoughts on this episode. Um, as a queer woman of color, no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm white. I'm so that part white of it. White as I, the driven snow. Yes, I, quite literally, I'm very translucent. Um, no, but on the on the queer side of things, um, I. Yeah, I love this episode. But I think you don't have to be queer to love this episode. No, you definitely I'm not, I'm don't. I'm certainly not saying I that. I can tell you right now you don't have to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love that this episode shows how complicated coming out can be without making it the worst thing or the most dramatic thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a really complicated situation that everyone has to find a way to navigate through. Absolutely. And that it's not one moment it's not one year it can take years or decades for everyone to figure out how to deal with Mm -hmm. this new dynamic which quite often you'll have a coming out it'll be very dramatic then people will come around and that's it they'll just get over it you don't see the next year you don't see you know five years down the track of like everyone's still kind of getting used to it because it's not like you're spending every day with your family when you're an adult because you're not it's like those big like family gatherings where everyone's bringing their significant others and then you're the one in the family with the girlfriend yeah. or the boyfriend, whatever. Uh, what are the, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, you so don't necessarily have that, like, you don't necessarily have that conversation with a parent where they finally go, I was wrong. I love you. I'm totally fine with you. It's just... One day it's normal. Yeah. I mean, you might have that conversation if your coming out was extremely dramatic and awful. Tumultuous and stuff, yeah. Then you might have a conversation where a parent apologises. Totally. But for a lot of us, that was not the experience. It was awkward and weird. Yep. um, And either your parent isn't screaming at you that there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm, It's just mm -hmm. kind of understood that. Telling you you're out of the family. Yeah, no. It's just kind of understood that there is something different about you and they are struggling to kind of 
understand why you're different, mm-hmm. how that how that came to be. Is it their fault? Um, what does that even mean, though? It's like that's one of my favourite conversations, mm. the one between Denise's mother and her aunt mm. in the kitchen right after Denise has sort of come out. And and it's, it is her mum trying to just sort of get her head around it and what it means for Denise, what it means for her, what it means about them, their relationship, her as a mother, her as a daughter. And like it's... And the little joking that's going on from the auntie who's trying to just sort of like reassure her, but are doing so in sort of a teasing way as well. And I really, really, really like that scene in particular. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't think... I don't think Denise's mother is a hero or is a villain in that scene. No, it's, it's complicated. Just, She's her own person with her own complicated feelings, feelings about sexuality. Feelings, expectations, ideas, and, exactly yeah. right. That she maybe needs a, she, there's a little growth ahead of her still. She's still sort of – she's not perfect. Yeah. You you would like this to be a simpler transition, but the reality is that it's not for a number of reasons. And that is what felt like a really, really well-articulated uh, scene of what that must feel like for a parent in yeah, that situation. And that it's always going to be more complicated for the parent than it is the friend of the parent yes. or the aunties and uncles of the parent. It's always going to be more complicated it's so for easy the parent to, say, to oh, kind of navigate. Of course I'd be fine with my... Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then you have to think, oh, now I have a gay daughter. Mm-hmm. What does that say about me? What are people going to think about me? How am I going to... Because now they're being put in the situation where they're going to have to have complicated conversations with, with people, other people that as well. they don't want to have. Totally. They're going to have to... They talk a lot about her mother, the the grandmother mm. as well, and what, like, don't tell her sort of situation yeah. and... The generational divide, which I, exactly. of course, have experienced. Like, I've yeah. had the conversation with my parents about how, like, the, there is... It's been said that there is no point in coming out to the grandparents because they won't understand. Yeah. Which I agree with, and I think it's a shame. Yeah. And that just comes back to the fact that it is complicated. Um, you might want to just be able to be like, everybody, I'm gay. And then that's it. But that's not how it is. But people, while you all have the same last name usually, uh, you're all individuals and you're all going to have different responses. And so there's some things you can tell people and some things you can't tell people. And that's just the way it is. Does this reflect back at all on Dev's handling of his religion situ- religious situation in the restaurant? I think they're very different mm. situations. But you talk about like, having that conversation rather than just like coming out yeah. at the dinner table with everyone there and like I think well so. sh- sure in a perfect world everyone just goes oh cool yeah but the reality of the situation is that things are more complex than yeah. that and, and people are going to react emotionally and i think there is a a very different relationship between denise and her mother and mm-hmm. dev and his parents mm-hmm. in which denise clearly <clears throat> really respects her mother, but there is an element of fear there. Yeah. <laughs> because of of, her, her mother, auntie, are very strong, opinionated women, Definitely. as she is. Yep. Um, but there is an element of fear there. Uh, so you don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to overstep the mark, but you also have to find a way to balance that out with, you know, not hating yourself. Um, but yeah, but whereas Dev, he's like, you know, his his mother is such a, a, a placid kind of... Yeah. Um, Unassuming. unassuming woman that mm. he can do that. And mm. she's just going to, well, she might have a biting word or two. Ultimately, she's quite soft and, mm-hmm. you know, going to allow him to do that. She just won't talk to him for a couple of days. Yeah. Where you can imagine if Denise had announced at the dinner table that she was gay. Who, that's just, Her mum would have thrown, knows? like, the mashed potatoes at her. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know how you know. that would have gone. Yeah. That yeah. could have been, it would have been, 
it wouldn't have just been the emotion of learning the information. It would have been the emotion of learning it at that time and the feeling of being put out and the feeling well, of being... Well, yeah, she's a huge amount of, like, shame to have a, a gay daughter, whether it's, you know... Or just this reality of doing it at the dinner table in front of guests. Well, that's, or... what, that's where the shame part comes in, because, like, oh, you know, you've, you've embarrassed me yes. in front of all these people. Um even if that other person is just my mum, like yeah. you've 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 embarrassed me. Yeah, totally. Just going back to that conversation between Denise's mum and auntie as well. The bit mm. I loved, the bit of like reasoning that the auntie did that I loved is when she's talking about she's Denise's mum's wondering whether she's you know failed as a mother, and she's like, "Does Denise do drugs? Yeah. Is Denise in jail? No. Yeah. You did good. She's mm. fine. She never got in trouble. She was a good student. Yeah. You did great. It's not that. It's not the problem. <laughs> uh, I just loved that. And I'm like, yeah, that's. That should be really reassuring for you, you'd hope. Yeah. There's uh, a terrible reality TV show. It's cancelled now because it was so awful. Good. But it was, it was called The Real the real L Word. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. Uh, but, you know, when you're thirsty for representation, you'll watch anything. That's my excuse. Anyway, so there's one character who's just come out. She's a black woman. She's just come out and her mum comes to LA to visit her. And she has to like kind of come out to her mother and all these things. And her mum's very religious, as as is she. They're both Christians. Mm-hmm. And at the end, of like the the mum is just saying, she's like, you know, if my daughter wants to lay with a with a woman, have babies with a woman, that's fine as long as she's a good person. She mm-hmm. believes in God and she treats people with kindness. And like I'm like, fuck yeah, like that's absolutely what any parent would want. Uh, but once again, it's not that easy to to get to that place of being like. It's fine, just as long as you're a good person and just remove all your other expectations for your kid. So the 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 luxury this episode has is that it, it takes place over many mm. Thanksgiving, takes place over many years. And so you have these big jumps in time where people have been, time has passed, and people are able to adjust to this sort of stuff. Um, which obviously this is what you're saying about that. It doesn't happen, you know, out of yeah, the Yeah, it blue. takes a long time to adjust on both sides. How do you feel about, from a narrative point of view, the mechanism, narrative mechanism, the ma- narrative workings that get to this point of sort of acceptance from Denise's family comes from the girlfriends, right? So you have Michelle, who's the first girl that yeah. Denise brings home, who by all accounts seems to be lovely, Gorgeous, but yeah. obviously is... Um, it's confronting for them because they're not used to this idea of She brought a woman up. home, yep. yeah. Followed up by the second girlfriend who was a fucking train wreck. Who's from another reality show that I love called Love and Hip Hop. Anyway, go on. Right. Yep. <laughs> who, not to be judging, but is not kind of the, probably who you want your daughter uh, dating. No. <laughs> totally vapid, terrible person. Yep. yep. Um, followed up by She Brings Michelle Home Again. She does. And... There's this sense of relief. Yeah, from by Dennis. comparison, you're like, thank God, <laughs> yeah. Michelle's back. Yeah. Um, and there's, I do really like the moment between Michelle and Denise's mum in the kitchen mm-hmm. where she sort of just, Michelle offers to help. And like, yeah. I don't, and that transition into like, things are going to be okay. Well, I, I think she, it's the, when you come to understand that just because, you know, your child is gay, you, the immediate thought is of what you have lost. The, right. the well, what the the future you imagined is gone. There's yep. not going to be husband, and for people of that generation, they assume like there's probably not going to be kids. Yep. So that's not the case. Um, the the loss of that, and I think in that moment where we see Michelle offer to help, mm-hmm. um, that 
the mum played by the fantastic Angela Bassett. Yeah, she's so excellent. incredible. Like, cannot praise her enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment of like, oh, perhaps I'm not losing that much. I'm gaining, you know, another daughter, someone else I can have a bit of a laugh with, someone I can mm-hmm. connect with in a way that I haven't been able to another, connect with Denise. Another because strong she's such a tomboy. Black woman in a in a family yeah. full of strong black women. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, but like she you know, she gains a daughter that she never had. Because Denise has been a tomboy. She like she doesn't like dresses the way her mum yeah. likes dresses and yeah. all her makeup and all that stuff. And now there's someone in the house who is like that. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, so you you're not, it's not all loss. And I think that's the transition from focusing on the loss to focusing on what she's actually gaining. So, so you don't think there's anything cheap or cheat about making it almost seem a little... like It's very, it's very narratively like neat by the yeah. end of it. For something which is quite complex, I think, there's this real... like it, It's not just like, oh, everything's fine, happy endings. There'll mm. never be any sort of tension or confusion or anything yeah. there at all. But it, it's very sort of pat sort of ending by mm-hmm. then. It's clear what the message is. You- I can see why people would find that cheesy, but maybe it's because of my own experience. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that tracks that, like that's exactly what happened to me. Cheesy doesn't mean, doesn't mean inaccurate from a feelings perspective though. No, like yeah. often things which seem cheesy. I still- think it was like, yeah, narratively harmonious, but yeah. I don't think it undercut um, the, the truth of the story. Agreed. Um, yeah, because like that was, you know, my own journey was, you know, coming out and then they have to get usually the idea in the abstract, mm-hmm. um, whether that happens or not. And then they meet people who they don't like and then associate the gayness with those people. And then they, you know, meet someone that they like and sees, cares about their daughter and, and it changes their perspective on it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it made sense. Um, do you have anything else you would like to say about this episode? I want to make sure you get... Um, the, was it Toes and Nipples 29? Just like, is that that what it is? And then it's like, he just keeps doing, oh no, wait, no, no, that's not what I wanted to talk about actually. What I wanted to talk about was when Toes and Nipples comes over, or Nipples and Toes, I think it is, um, and Dev is just yelling at the grandma and then the auntie just yells, she puts cinnamon and nutmeg in the yams, don't you ask another fucking question. (laughs) (laughs) Like they just had en- they'd had enough of what they could tolerate, and she just exploded. And I thought that was fantastic. It's one of my favorite moments in the in the episode. How did you feel just about Dev being in this episode? His inclusion in the episode. I think it was really important to have Dev there. Yeah, I think you need the the other perspective, the outsider coming in. Um, you need everyone in that family to have an ally. Yeah, yeah. That isn't. As That's emotionally the main thing. Denise invested. needs someone to talk Denise to. Denise needs someone. And so it may as well be Aziz because, so, sorry, Dev, because, yeah. well, he's our protagonist. Yeah. So and then it's I also, a bit of narrative lubricant there. Yeah, I also love when, you know, the crappy girlfriend is over and Dev goes into the kitchen and they have a little bitch session about her. Yeah. It's like, you know, Dev isn't going to be the one who walks up. It's like, you know, you're treating your daughter really badly. You should love her even though she is gay. Like, we, no one wants that moment. Yeah. But you want, you know, Dev to be the the consistent normalcy of like Denise is still the same person. Dev's still here and like, and he's a, a part of the family, but not of the family. Mm-hmm. So he can have a little giggle and it doesn't have this huge weight to it. It's not like they're being nasty about Denise's gayness. It's mm-hmm. about this terrible person. Yeah. Um, and it's all going to be okay. That, that consistency is nice. Agreed. But were you terrified that the grandma was going to die at any at any moment? Nope. Like there was going to be one year where she just wasn't there. Yeah, I was really ma- worried mainly because she was so old at the beginning. Yeah, 
like I was like, oh, I no, feel she's like not she actually make it. got younger in the next time we saw her. I was like, oh, she de-aged. What yeah. happened there? Um, so, no, I was waiting for the reveal that she knew the whole time I was just cool with it. Yeah, right. Um, which didn't really come. No. Um, she was just a great inclusion. Just yeah, she's like, I, I do like when, you know, she just hugs Michelle. It's like, yes. it's whatever. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Agreed. Cool. Should we move on? Yes. All right. Episode nine. Once again, going to butcher this. Amasi Unpo, I think. Mm, who knows? Oh, that was it. Yeah, that was it for sure. Nailed it. When, when Francesca <laughs> returns to New York for a month, Dev plays tour guide and finds himself caught in a whirlwind of confusing emotions. So, mm. um, is this the episode that goes forever or is it the last episode that goes for 50 minutes? One of these next two episodes <laughs> goes for a long time. Let's just say that much. They, oh, this is the 50-minute episode. Yes, yeah. this is the one. Um, a lot happens, yeah. sort of, in this episode. This is sort of taking that uh, scene in the back of the car with Dev driving home after dropping her off and then mm. extending it into the most torturous fucking hour and a half, you include the next episode, <laughs> hour and a half of television that I can remember watching. <laughs> it's pretty... Emotionally taxing, I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, can I? Um, I feel like I just want to read some of my notes here. Mm. Um, okay, I'm just going to go read through them. I don't know how this is going to track, but we'll see. This season has been so good at articulating the small moments of excruciating doubt and calculation, trying to read body language and text messages and figure out not just what someone else is feeling, but what you are feeling. Next comment. He's just the fill-in boyfriend. <laughs> Mark. Next one. Fuck this noise. Next one. This is excruciating. This is awful. I hate this. I love this. I hate this. Next one. That's not fair. You aren't allowed to have a dance party with a beautiful engaged Italian woman in your sh- in your shirt as a nighty. I don't know if I should be excited for Dev or sad for Dev. This is torture. Next question. Intense is right. All caps. Next next <laughs> comment. The handhold. Fuck. Next comment. No. Don't get angry. Fuck this. Next question. Dev, I'm so proud of you. The valve was released. The tension is gone. Um, and then I finally said, I don't think I need that dream, but at the end. So mm, I think that's I sort of my heart is in my throat this whole episode. That's kind of what the feeling is. And it's like, I'm trying, it's been a little while since I've watched this episode and I'm trying to remember the specifics of it, but really it, this episode is just this drawn out Dev and Francesca spending a lot of time together doing a lot of cute date stuff for, for, a They're woman having an that's engaged, affair all over. They are. It is absolutely in every emotional. setting, all over themselves, just spewing this yeah emotional affair, this energy that they are just indulging in the entire 100%. time, one hundred percent, and it without is, committing to anything. Yeah, and it like I, I'm not trying to put this on anyone particular as being a bad person or doing the wrong thing. This isn't a judging thing at all. But fucking hell, some of the situations that these people they end up in, the the ridiculousness of it, the ex- explicitly romantic things, sexualized things that are happening without going there and not acknowledging it and just pretending like mm. or trying to play dumb like they're not noticing this yeah. is so hard to watch. And again, pretty relatable. Mm. And well, that's a, that's what I. Because a lot of things that I've read have been like, oh, it's Dev's fault. Oh, it's Fred Dreska's fault. I'm like, no, it's both, both of their, their faults. Fault. Absolutely. They, they both, the both, whether they admit or not, know what's they happening. They have to be aware of this, right? They, they absolutely have to be. know what's happening. And if someone's not aware of it, 
it's like what something's really wrong with that how person. How disconnected from are you reality. from reality? That's that the thing. Yeah. If this that was the bit that was hard for me is like I felt sorry for Dev because if Francesca really is either just using him emotionally or is completely oblivious to what's happening, it's like fucking help us all. Like that is that is just a nightmare scenario. That is yeah devastating. I, mean, I I hate the word used because it it Which removes something- the complexity of what would be happening internally. For Francesca, I think. Sure. I think when, when the word use comes up, it's because she is in a position of power here because she can always go back to Pino. Do you know what I mean? Mm. She has already got someone. Dev does not. Mm. Dev is, at least we understand, to be single and alone and struggling with that loneliness and Desperate for connection. Yeah. And there's every chance that she is too. Yeah. But she has a dedicated partner, whereas he does not. Right. And also is going to leave and go be with him and have a, a wedding and a life with him. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't agree with that sense of powerlessness. I, I don't. That he's completely powerless. Yeah. No, I, I don't necessarily think he's powerless. I'm saying that she has a lot of power, though. He's not without complete power. I don't here. see how her having a unfulfilling relationship to go back on is power. We don't. Know, we don't know that it's unfulfilling though, because we don't get her perspective. We don't until later in it. We're not seeing her. Not explicitly, no. But she's but we, constantly talking about how Pino is working too much. They don't definitely. spend enough time together. We have that conversation between them when he's like, you know, there's clearly a disconnect here. These are all conversations she, she's having with Dev, though. We don't like. So the thing about Dev, right, is we've had him in the back of the car, mm. and we see we see him in his just with himself mm-hmm. and his feeling, and we know what he was going with him. We don't get those moments with Francesca. We don't get moments with her and Pino. We don't get we moments do get with, a moment with her and Pino. Later, we yeah. do, but not at that stage. Mm. And we don't get moments with her alone. So what she says to Dev, th- this has all got to do with the information that... Because at this point, the perspective the, is Dev's, right? the framing right? is off. That We have Dev's mm-hmm. perspective and Dev's perspective only yes. on the situation. We do not have hers. If we had hers, it would be a lot easier to know what's going on, mm-hmm. um, we can only go, re- go off what we're being told. And you're right. This is the problem. It feels like she's got a lot of power, probably. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. You're right. Because we don't know. I think, yeah, we get Dev's perspective so much until, and this goes into the next episode, because I think we're going to have to talk about they, I mean, they are basically the, a movie. You yeah, put them together. The I agree. So, that, well, I might just put this out there now just so we can get it out of the way. It's called uh, Buona Note. Good night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I said it wrong again, but who cares? Just as, yeah. uh, I mean, apologies, I suck at Italian. Just as <laughs> Deb's personal life reaches a tipping point, disturbing revelations throw his professional life into turmoil too, which mm-hmm. we'll get back to the, yeah. the career bit in a bit. But I think, yeah, so we get so much of Dev's perspective yeah. and then that's why I like the scene um, towards I'm pretty sure it's in the episode 10 yes. where he's you know he says explicitly like you used me and I think it's that not allowing and he's doing it and I think perhaps uh, many audience members did that as well not allowing for complexity there or confusion oh, totally on her part as being like it's not as explicit as you know I'm feeling uncertain about my relationship so I'm gonna like test the waters with you to see if maybe I, I can leap it's not as 
simple as that. And, so, and, and the reality is that's true. Once we it, do get yes. to know more about actually what's happening with Francesca, well, obviously that's true. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of yep. confusion on her side. There is a lot of, and yeah. then you realise that isn't the yeah, case. Yeah, this kind of expectation that she should know at every point what she's doing, what she's doing to Dev, but there's... N- but Dev, for whatever reason, is allowed to be confused about what's happening. Sure. Is allowed to be confused about what he's doing. The fact that he is taking her on these trips, doing these really romantic yes, things yeah. with her yep. to woo her. Yeah. Um, and then being and then not allowing for confusion on her end. I just I think it's incredibly unfair from, no. from him. And I think they kind of show that in that moment when she lashes back and is like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. yeah. And once and it becomes that's articulated very well, like you said, when we start to see her perspective mm. a little bit more and we get to see a little bit of her life and her yeah, her uh experience with Pino. Um the discussion I think in the kitchen that they have where he's asking if she's cheating and she's saying no. And then finally towards the very end where she, she's sitting down there about to leave and then we sort of cut to the ambiguous ending, which we'll get to in a bit as well. Mm. Um, the- Can I just say, I read a fantastic comment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on the AV Club's, uh, their recap pages, their review pages. And one of the comments underneath. Yeah, one of the comments underneath. And it was just, because people were talking about whether Francesca was a um, manic pixie dream girl, which I don't think she is. Sure, I don't think so either. Um, but one comment was... Unless to- Dev is a manic trixie Yeah, that's what the comment said. It's like, to me, Dev is a manic pixie dream boy and we're just in the unique position of seeing things from his view. Much more comparable to Amelie and Holly Golightly than the usual garden states. Um, <laughs> he's, oh, he's, yes, he's, good comment. He's sprightly, he hosts a cupcake show yeah. and spending the night with him means having quirky adventures that boring old Pino can't offer because he's too busy working. Um, yeah. yeah, just goes on to be like, I think he might be. Because the That's things, actually the adventures comment. that he takes her on are just ridiculous. And she's just this girl from this small town in Italy, you know, had to drop out of uni, has just been working in her nonna's pasta shop her whole life. She got, Her boyfriend takes her to New York and she spends time with this guy whose life is so grandiose. He takes her to a dinner party where fucking John, John Legend. Legend starts yeah. singing. Yeah. Of course she's in a whirlwind. Of course she's going to be confused by that and be like, yeah. oh, maybe I should leave my life because this is way better. This is like, he is freeing me from my own life, which is the function of a manic pixie dream girl. Fuck, that's that's mm. an incredibly good insight and spot when on. When that person wrote that, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's true. That, that really puts the whole thing in perspective as to what this story mm. is. Yeah, you're right. Her, her coming, yeah, man, that's really fascinating. I kind of wish I'd known that before because I'm just digesting that whole thing now. But it really is just the the flip side on that. Mm-hmm. She is coming to him. It's not. Yeah. She is, yeah, come to America and met this person on a trip with her husband. Oh, man, that's crazy fascinating. <laughs> um, I have to 100% agree with that. Yeah, I think that's too. a really good point. Um, so the first episode or episode nine here, the 50-minute episode, has a lot of like really tense moments there as well that I think are very relatable too. There's the stuff where they're, they're at that bar and Arnold's there. Speaking of Arnold for a second here, he gets into we we discussed in the first episode about whether Arnold's like something's wrong with him yeah. or whether he knows what he's doing. I don't think he does know what he's doing. You don't I, think? I don't think. I don't think he does. When either. he's like falling asleep on his cute bed thing and all that sort of stuff, I don't think it's a joke anymore. I think he's just a little bit of an oddball. I think he's just 
a child. Uh, de- basically, that- yeah. I think, and Dev is quite childish as well. And when they're together, they're allowed to indulge that side of themselves. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but they're in that bar, and Nino's there, and they're talking about tiles or whatever it Pino. is. Pino, sorry, Nino, Pino. Thank you. And the oh, the looks between Dev and Francesca when she's like engaging with him specifically, they're texting each other. Fuck the that secret noise. texting <laughs> oh. is so inappropriate. Yes, it's really. like they're both. Wrong. They are. they are acting so inappropriately. 100% agree. They're both to blame. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't care how much of a dick Pino is, which I, I don't think there's a huge amount of evidence to show that he is. He's just a very successful person on a business trip. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse for that at all, what they're doing to him. Anyway. Um, then you've got the whole thing with the snowstorm, mm-hmm. which ridiculously convenient and romantic scenario to be in any way. But that just escalates to a point of ridiculousness. <laughs> ridiculousness. Yeah. I can't sleep. Oh, let's just have a dance party in your nighty bed. <sighs> Fucking hell. Yeah. What is Eddie? What? Drinking wine. Oh, drinking wine. And having a dance party in the middle of the night as the snow falls. <sighs> Candlelight and like or the, the mood sort of low lighting and like the sharing a bed and the falling asleep having conversations. I'm just shocked the, that they didn't fuck. I know. It's like, like, how did they not? Yeah. Like, I think in reality, they would have had sex. Oh, boy. I think they both would have. It's excruciating. I think they both would have gotten themselves drunk enough to make that mistake. That's you what reckon? I think would have happened in reality. Yeah. I'm and, glad they didn't, but I think, yeah. And then we've got, so that's sort of when it peaks, the romantic mm. tension. And then you've got that scene, I can't remember if it's episode nine, episode ten, I think it's it's episode nine, I think it is, mm. because this is where the valve is released, and I say that at the, end, at the end of it, where they're at Arnold's DJ thing, mm-hmm. and I really like this scene too. The fight? Well, the just the general tension that's there straight away, where they both know a line has been crossed, mm-hmm. and they don't really know That's why she's not drinking. She's not, she's not drinking. Yep. She's not really interacting. Nope. He's being sort of standoffish as well, mm-hmm. he, mainly because he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. And then instantly, as soon as she's a little colder than normal, he reads into it and like is frustrated and upset and angry and confused, as mm-hmm. you would be in that scenario. Because he's again. being made to feel like he's crossed a boundary as yes. opposed to they both have. That's right. Mm-hmm. And again, feeling like I know this scenario and like, <laughs> and then- when she's going to leave and then that woman comes up and like that little bit of jealousy and then she says she's leaving and she doesn't leave and they finally have the interaction and the and just him saying it oh, i felt the tension leave my body just like thank god like i was like don't get angry i was glad he didn't yeah. get too crazy but yeah you don't want to be possessive of someone you're not even in a relationship with absolutely but you can see it how that would happen. You can you can understand you the can feeling. You just don't show it, yeah. is what I'm saying. But then to finally just outright say it, because even if she was to say, oh, you're crazy, mm. um, you got to get it out. Yeah, because then it's like on her. You're it's, like, well... Exactly. It's instantly the ball is passed, yeah. right? And I, I felt it in me. Mm-hmm. I felt it off my chest and I was just like, oh, thank Christ. Yeah. Someone that it's it's, it's cathartic to be like oh yes thank just goodness say it say yeah. what is your feeling and, and get out there and it's I just can't get over how affecting this whole thing was 
I've watched plenty of romantic dramas, stories of like mm. love triangles and stuff like that. And I don't think I've ever felt it as acutely, as torturously as I have watching this season. I don't know. It just felt more familiar to me or more well presented. It, uh, mm. I've, it I've so had perfect. a similar feeling in a season of Parks and Rec between Ooh. two characters. Um, and I've actually had a similar feeling in The Office between two characters. Sure. In, I can, I can, I agree with the, you. Even the UK office have had similar type yeah, stuff. That like the, the unspoken, unspoken uh-huh. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. That, that going through something so emotionally strenuous by yourself, but also not by yourself because there is another person involved. Yeah. Um, whether you can articulate, articulate or not. Yeah. 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 You're spot on. Mm. Um, you though definitely I've had that feeling, but yeah. I don't. This one is very. It's so acute. It's yeah. so potent. Ugh. Um, my my major criticism of episode nine is I didn't need that dream sequence at the end. I didn't need the bit where he had like dreams of her like ripping out his heart and stuff. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I was like, I you, every feeling has already been perfectly articulated, yeah. much more subtly. And when you do that, you take us and put us into a fantasy which has never been a part of this. Well, yeah, while it, I understand the feeling and like you, you can express what that feel that that yeah, torturous it, it heartache feels, feels like. like. Um, a teenager's immature idea of what heartbreak and yearning feels like. Well, it doesn't, you won't be needing this yeah, from The Simpsons <laughs> yeah, exactly. with Bart's heart and just like kicks um, in the bin. Yeah, so yeah, I don't think it's needed, and I don't think it brings across any message that we haven't already heard or been feeling. I literally could have just taken that sequence out yeah. and that episode is that little bit better because mm-hmm. of it. That being said, still a great episode. Um, and so episode 10, and there's a couple of things happening here. We've got Chef Jeff and Whew. so Aziz and Chef Jeff are making their- Topical see, before it was topical. Topical. Amazing. Like Aziz is fucking- yeah, I've written here. It's almost here, as if everyone in the industry knew this stuff was happening. This creepy Chef Jeff thing is crazy relevant right now. Holy fuck, this is so crazy relevant. Whoa, Aziz saw this coming. This is fucking prophetic. Aziz, a Nostradamus. <laughs> a Nostradamus. A Nostradamus. Yeah, Thank you. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, so that he obviously gets this show, the Best Food Friends show. He I starts hate doing the with name. Him. I hate it. It's terrible, but it doesn't need to be good. It's just, no, it doesn't. It's just, it just a vehicle annoys, for it just annoys me. It's a terrible name. Yeah. But there are lots of shows with terrible names. Don't worry about that. Um, the And then, yeah, so the, the revelation, everything about this, A, did you feel like there was something going to be, there was something wrong with Chef Jeff leading up to that point? Did you have any sense that something was coming that was an impending doom around him or, Honestly, or a darkness about him. I don't think I did. I knew, like, I didn't like him as yeah. a person because of the way, um, one, because, like, he obviously says sleazy things about the um, makeup artist at the beginning. He's like, oh, like, just making comments like that. Yeah. And also him, in, like, imposing himself on Dev's love life as well. I knew, like, I just didn't like the character, but I certainly didn't think that he was sexually harassing women. No. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, and but that's a really interesting mm. perspective to make, that you can be close to someone, maybe even see them as being a little bit sleazy and stuff, but not think for a second that it necessarily means that they're, you know, sexually abusing or harassing women. Yeah. Um, there is that moment, even the way he talks about Francesca sometimes, 
and like, but the, what what the what the script does, which is interesting, is it turns it back into him saying, "Dev, you should do something about this." Yeah. So it reflects back, and it's just the show. It's almost like yeah. the show articulate: she's a beautiful, desirable woman. Why aren't you doing something about it? Not yeah. I. I'm a fucking sleazy pervert. Which is what I expect is like when he would say those comments about the way Francesca looks, it would be about him wanting to fuck her. But because but he, he doesn't. That's what I mean. But it's, because he puts it on Dev, I somehow excuse the first half of that sentence. Because you're exactly right. Because I remember yeah. feeling about that, even the way he talks about the makeup artist the mm-hmm. first time round. And my first reaction was, is, oh, you're gross until he makes it about Dev. And yeah. I go, oh, that's right. This is Dev's story. This is about him dating. Blah, blah, yep. blah, blah. They're just using him as a vehicle to talk about his dating life. Mm. And so when they flip that or they turn that into something much more malevolent, I was just like, oh, that's well done show. Yeah. you Because, uh, of course, that's, cause ha- that's how it would be playing out. It's it, like it's not overt, no, these things. It's there if you look cl- – if you can reflect yeah. back and go, oh, I can see that there is a certain sleaziness to this person. Mm-hmm. It's not every time he's talking nowhere. about a woman, yes. there is a theme. Yes. Maybe I should have picked up on that yes, theme. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the the mechanism for all the way this all comes out, the fact that it's like blows up on Twitter, all of a sudden there are numerous accusations. Yeah. Aziz had heard whispers, but not he it's not like he didn't believe what was going on, but He'd heard he'd heard the rumor. We got um, I can't remember the character's name. The guy who does um, Archer and stuff. Something and- Benjamin. It's like H P something yes. Benjamin. H John Benjamin or something. Sorry if I got that wrong. Um, he's back. I was I was thinking there were so many returns of characters and I was waiting for him to return. Mm. And I was like, oh cool, we get that yeah, scene H. again. H John Benjamin. H John yeah. Benjamin. And he comes in just to basically say, oh, haven't you heard that guy's a massive he's fucking a creep. creep? Yeah. And it all seems super relevant right now. Yeah. As the Harvey Weinstein stuff is playing out, as the Kevin Spacey stuff is playing out in real time around us, basically, yeah, it just seems a lot of people have been sitting on this stuff and haven't really known what to do with it yeah. or haven't been speaking up and it's just finally the floodgates have opened and it's all happening at once. Yeah, well, just the other day, like, uh, yeah, yesterday I was having a conversation with a friend being like, oh, like, the Kevin Spacey thing, really, like, that genuinely shocked me. I yeah. did not see that coming. And she was like, really? I was like... Yeah, I haven't heard anything about Kevin Spacey at all. And she's like, oh, well, she's like, well, when he came out to Sydney to do like a talking thing, like a friend of mine said that he was like infamous for taking the, a boat out onto the harbour with very young men. Yeah. So I was like, oh, fuck. Even, like, even people in my circle had heard things. Like clearly everyone knows yeah. that this shit is going on. Yeah. And yet, and yet for whatever reason, and I don't mean whatever reason, it's very, the reasons are obvious. Um, people aren't saying it out loud. Um, is it is it Billy on the street? Billy, mm-hmm. what's his the last guy name? who's in Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Billy like Eichner Eisner. Or Eisner. Eisner. I think it is. He's got a show. I want to say it's Horrible People. I can't remember what it's called. Eichner. Eichner. Um, He's got a show, and I saw a thing on Twitter today of like the numerous Kevin Spacey related jokes, like dozens. Some just as his expense as an actor, some specifically about his... Difficult people? Difficult people, thank you. Specifically about his reputation. Really? Uh, yes. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'll show you the video after. I might even try and put it in the notes. But yeah. this is like... And then you look at the stuff that... Uh, what's his name? The family... Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane's been putting into Family Guy and his jokes for his Oscar nominations things and all that sort of mm. stuff. It's... This is a known. These are known quantities. These yeah. are known things. 
yeah. that just finally, thanks to social media and the current climate around sexual harassment of women, is starting mm. to explode. And but it just crazy to me that this. When did this show come out? We were still doing Louie. It was good three, four, five, six months ago. Yeah, that this so. came out and. Later that year, but not a meet. It's not like it happened. They would have filmed this a year ago. It's almost happening identical to this scenario. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of absurd and amazing. Anyway, do, I don't know if there's anything I want to read into that specifically. Did you have something to go with there? You look like you're holding something back. No, I'm just looking at the time frames. Yeah. When do? Uh, yeah. When did this come out? So it just says 2017. In May. It yeah. dropped in May. Right. May. So yeah. Weinstein was like a month ago. Fuck. Yeah, just yeah. that would which would be holy shit. September, October. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, mm. that leads into well, Aziz's sort of career is imploding it's around totally him imploded. just just by being associated with this person, mm. which is one thing. I don't know. We never really get to a place with that one. I suppose it's something we'd have to a thread we'd take on next season if we're going to continue. If we with get that. one, yeah. If we get another season. Uh, back on the Francesca stuff, though, they she's leaving soon. There's awkwardness. She, what have you got here? No, I'm just thinking the absurdity of you've had this conversation with this person who's like, there's clearly something between us. Um, I like you. And then there's a quiet period. And then you being, I have to go soon. Let's hang out. And then in the hanging out... You act as though nothing's happened. Yeah, is just bizarre. To is me. that is that where is it? I'm trying to remember the time frame because again, it's been a little while since we watched this. Is it the is the helicopter ride first, or is the helicopter ride compared after, to what? Compared to the scene back in his apartment where they they she's sort of like coming around this idea that maybe there's something going on here, and she just talks about the complexity of like I think it's having to it's leave him the having to leave bar Pino. fight bar fights the end of episode nine. Yeah, and then. Yeah, no, so it's helicopter then. And then where she comes over and they do the weird kiss through the door? Yes. How do you feel about sure. that right. scene? The kiss through the door. Yeah, and then when he moves the door and... I, think it's, I, think it's... I have complicated feelings about it. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, I find it rel- relatable. I, mm. I think the wanting what you want... And because of that, never knowing or looking at the signs that tell you when enough is enough and always pushing it so that so that you can get what you want. Yes. Um, I understand Dev's urge to move the door and to actually kiss her. Mm-hmm. That that wish fulfillment. But yeah, the the absolute need to do that. And I also oh, and- understand her response to be like, ah, Fuck! Like now, I have to now. I have to go. Yeah. Because I can't stay after that has happened. Yeah. Because I need to do whatever I need to do to sort whatever. One way or another, I'm either leaving or I'm either leaving here. I'm leaving him. At yes. This stage. Like that. Exactly. Well, that we've hit the, the crossroads. The, the line fire. is there now, and now I have to. The fork of the road myself. is officially here. We're yeah. there now. Yeah. Um, it's very cutesy. Uh, the 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 door thing. You don't like. I know oh, a lot of people that don't like it. Fine. It just, I like it. It's one of those things where. Where so much of the romance and stuff, as absurdly uh, sort of heightened as it gets without them ever 
culminating that mm. attraction or, the, or without ever um, really acting on that attraction fully. The It felt at least familiar and realistic and just as, again, absurdly tense as it was within the realms of possibility. It never got to that cutesy rom-com point, mm-hmm. which not quite, whereas the kissing thing is like makes me feel like someone trying to come up with an iconic idea of what romance is and that is represented in film right so like spider-man and kirsten does kissing upside down you're (laughs) looking for an iconic way of or a a really romantic and um visual cinematic way of representing Mm. uh where you are where that relationship's at where that tension's at so the kissing through the the glass thing. I don't know. It just edges away from reality a little bit no, for me. And more yeah. into mo- more into I film s- and I movie. I see what you're saying, but I think if you've got two people that obviously love old school Italian cinema, that's true. Who have pajama dance parties to old school Italian music? Mm. It makes sense to me that they would do this because that, that does help. Yeah, because I, I I'm not sure I agree that we haven't gone into the cutesy rom-com situation I, I think you have. It was just one foot still Tip in... The, lo- the line a bit better, you're saying? Yeah, it yeah. was... I think you're right that it had... It was so heightened, it was mm. definitely over that line or around that line, but it, it was keeping a toe in reality, whereas yeah. that one starts to become... Mm. I start to go, oh, this is a romantic comedy or a yeah. film now, or it's, it's no longer... Reminded me of reality. Does that mm, make sense? It, yep. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Um, I didn't quite. But maybe have that's everyone's that different response. Yeah. But I also see like a lot of those moments where we have Francesca and Dev alone go into this realm of romantic fantasy mm-hmm. that are just to the to the next level. Um, and I I felt like it was on par with that. And we were talking earlier about um, Chekhov's text with Rachel. Mm-hmm. And we see Rachel. Yeah, I wanted to get to that, yeah. Um, on on the street, um, out in, in the cold weather, and they have this awkward but fine interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think it points to – because Rachel doesn't seem – Super great either. No. Um, Dev's obviously not doing very well. And I'm hoping this is something that we will go into in season three in which Dev has got himself caught up in the fantastical relationship with Francesca, the excitement of that, the the heartache of that because that's very alluring to – Feel alluring. yearning, alluring. <laughs> um, oh, I like that. Um, yeah, the, the yearning. There's something really addictive about feeling yearning. Um, yeah, totally. And I'm hoping because in that very last shot, we see Dev and Francesca in bed together, and Dev. Oh, is it Francesca that wakes up? That's awake. It's Francesca that wakes up. Yeah, the this idea that the fantasy cannot be maintained and I'm thinking that Rachel well the reality that is Rachel that Dev has kind of abandoned or not escaped. really dealt with he's escaped he's, it he's escaped it I would um, think maybe you think he's not texting Rachel anymore you know he's, he's his not, mind is but I don't think he's also 
not that he dealt with it necessarily. Yeah, I don't think he's dealt with it. And no. I think perhaps that's where we'd be heading in season three. Um, so, the, well, let's just talk about that ending for a second then. Uh, so, we sort of get to this point where she's left, Francesca has left the apartment. She goes back. She's about to leave with Pino. She says, I think they're about to have a conversation. Then we go to Black. We see. I think the they're about wind- to go to the airport and Pino's like, are you ready? Right. That's and it. goes to Black. And he goes to Black. And we fade back in and we see Dev's window in his kitchen with snow on it. Mm-hmm. And then into Dev's bedroom. On the bed, it's a shot from above. They're similar to when they were sharing the bed mm-hmm. in the episode earlier. Dev's in bed. Francesca's in bed. They're facing each other. Francesca wakes up. I think he might open his eyes towards the end there. Cut to black. Mm. Implying, if you just take it at face value, that she has left Pino yeah. and gone to Dev. It's notable that this is not the same night. Some people suggested that it was the same night from the previous uh, When episode. I first saw it, I thought it was a flashback. It might have been then, a flashback. But it's not because they're wearing different clothes different and clothes, she doesn't have a wedding ring on. And she doesn't have a wedding ring on. Very important. Does it mean it's a fantasy or not? Maybe. The point is the show has left us on essentially a cliffhanger or if they're never going to go back to it, mm. a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an unclear ending. Open-ended? Open-ended or up for interpretation. Mm. Uh, unlike Inception, which is not for interpretation if you actually read the context clues, <laughs> as much as people want to believe that it is. Aside. Okay. People want to believe that's open-ended, I disagree, but I will talk about it another day. Um, and by talk about it, it means he'll yell at you about it another definitely, day. Definitely, yep. yep. You feel free to get lectured on that if you want to. <laughs> um, the Yes, it's left up for interpretation. How do you feel about that as an ending? We have to get a season three. What we if ha- we don't? If you don't, you just get to choose. You just get to choose your ending. Yeah. You get to choose. They got together. Or you get but to choose. I, that's a fantasy. Because like, I feel like I've read somewhere that is. Or you get to choose that really it's Rachel and that he's just imagining her yeah, as that Francesca. Is, that's awful. Uh, no, that's terrible. Um, that, not saying it's a good choice. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a choice. That Aziz Ansari has said that like, oh, he doesn't really feel the need for a season three. He's kind of told all the stories that need to be told um, it, about that part of his life, and I was like. No, there's like there's so much more to mine there. Mm. Um, just, oh yeah, just even with the the way that ends clearly show there's more to mine there with you know these two characters that have had this build up to experience this great romance and then when we finally see them in bed, there's like a disconnect. There's an obvious like literal restlessness there, mm-hmm. um, and it almost feels claustrophobic this time as opposed to cozy and warm and like a little love bubble. It feels different. Um, it's not lit in that same sort of warm, mm-mm. romantic, fantasized way. It's much more cold and realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, if you on the surface, my thought is just like, well, there is so much expectation and weight yeah. on this. Arnold's right. Arnold yeah. is totally right. It's like, it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Because she... You can't live up to that. The- she has lived one life her entire fucking life. She's only had one boyfriend. She's lived in yeah. this small fucking town. Yeah. And now she's upturned her life to live in a different country yeah. with this guy that she's known for a little bit, not super long. And is it now in, I guess, a live-in arrangement with this dude? And he has fallen in love with this fantastic idea of this beautiful Italian woman. Fuck. 
that's going to be a shit show. There's there's a certain like as obviously wrong as it is to be cheating on you know and so forth there is something so romantic about forbidden love right mm-hmm. and so when you step out of that it's alluring uh, that it's alluring <laughs> as soon as you step out of that and mm-hmm. into just a or this is now my committed relationship to this person the situation is completely different it's no longer the, the fantasy it's no minutia. longer the escape <laughs> it is your life then you have the day-to-day minutia as you did said. you pick up toothpaste no i did that's not fucking sexy yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. right it, the whole thing the whole, everything is redefined instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And the thing that Arnold's saying as well, it's like, yeah, all these things are going to, her life is going to be so turned upside down. There's a, I think it wouldn't be too hard to envision a version of this where this is, that you, you can't be the person she's going to end up with because she's now made this huge change. Mm-hmm. She's going to start to, start to live this life for the first time ever. She's going to want to explore that I think more. this is the first time she's, been really able to make big choices about she's her gonna own life. She's to gonna do want it. to do that that's more and more. Get, yeah, that's going. Exactly. She is just taking the first step on a journey. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not, not the end point. You're buddy. not the yeah. destination here. Yeah, that's who knows where. This is her starting to explore. Mm-hmm. You just helped her take that first step on that road. Yeah, that's not likely to end very well for you. No, 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 no. Um. Yeah, it's really interesting. On the subject of whether we'll get a season three, what have mm. you read or what do you understand to be the situation? I mean, I haven't read anything in a long time about whether we're getting a season three. I'm hoping that we do. At the time of you watching this, because you watched yeah. it before I did, I don't think it was a known quantity. From the interview... Uh, I, I, I read that it was implied that there wouldn't be a season three. There wouldn't be. That's correct. Well, apparently, according to The Hollywood Reporter and an interview with Ziz Ansari, Ziz Ansari wants to make more Master of None, just not yet. So, right now, he's actually taking a big break from writing. Um, mm-hmm. He's just sort of doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. But as much as he likes the sort of ambiguous any the way it is, he is keen to do a season three. Mm-hmm. Maybe not any more than that. Yeah. But he's keen to do another season eventually. It might just not be immediately. Yeah. Um, Might which, be a Louis situation. Yeah. But we get them when he's ready to release them. Which I think was fine by me. Yeah, that's fine. As long as you're making good stuff, I don't care how long it takes. That's exactly it. And I think that's what we should... I, I'm keen to see more mm. Master of None. You're right, because there is just so much theoretically to explore here, and Master of None has proven itself to be good at doing that. I would want to see where they take Dev next. Mm-hmm. Um... Is there anything else particularly, either about the ending, about future stuff that you want to talk about, or should we start moving on? I think we should start moving on. All right. Let's start wrapping this up a little bit then. Uh, let's do some quick fire comments. All right. I don't have any, by Don't have way. any? No. I have a few, but not heaps, so this shouldn't be too bad. Um, so, for those who don't know, basically, I'm just going to rattle through some notes I've written. Damask is going to buzz me if she has any uh, things she wants to add or interrupt. It'll sound like this. It's working. Very good. Beautiful. There you go, Damask. All right. So, let's start. Quick fire comments. One and only round. Start the timer. Uh, whoa, it was actually legitimately raining. There was a rainbow and everything at the wedding. There was like beautiful shots. and some t- Oh, when they were jumping in the pool yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it was yeah. actually raining. That's so cool. Sometimes yeah. you watch things and go, that wasn't real. Like, uh, please like me. He's got a couple of scenes of rain where it's like, that was a hose. <laughs> it's a hose, yeah. Um, this was like, oh my God, this is real rain. Otherwise, they paid for a rainbow to be painted into that shot, which is odd. Um, food is such a focus in this show. Reminds me of please like me. 
Uh, the shot of them eating delicious food and looking over at the Manhattan skyline makes me want to go back to New York right now. Uh, she's so mad at, at you, she got mad at me. That's a line from Dev's dad after he came out as being... Oh, religious. yeah, that's right, yeah. I like that line. That, that that's good. actually how it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm worried the really boring lady talking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation and eight hours of Overwatch... Eight-hour Overwatch sessions is me. I love that lady. The fact that she shits on Mortal Kombat Annihilation and then just immediately says that she watched it twice. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, holy shit, I've actually been to that bar. So in the... Mm. In the episode where Francesca comes to New York, he's mm-hmm. on a date. Dev's on a date in a bar. He's talking about this date that didn't always playing the date, and you can see it's not going real well in reality. Oh, the other Indian chick, and That's they right. talk about water. Exactly. Yeah. In the first bar, I was watching going, that looks really familiar. Have I been there? And I went and looked it up and went like through my photos and stuff when mm-hmm. I was there. It's a bar called Please Don't Tell, and they call it B- PDT in the right. show. And it's a, a speakeasy that's hidden behind a telephone booth in a pizza shop. Cool. Um, and I was there last time I was in New York. My last night, I heard about this one, and we got in. And that's awesome. I was like, oh, my God, I've actually been there. That's cool. Uh, I could plan a trip to New York around this show. It's nice to see Dev failing at banter finally. So that was something else in that episode. We've seen him be so good at just making mm. conversation and being cute. To see him like not being so successful is good too. So, like actually seeing someone be a bit like put off by that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm kind of tired is the universal evergreen get out of date free card. Yeah, I always feel like the need to say something other than I'm a little tired. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, I've got to meet up with some friends. Oh, is that your get out? Yeah, That's your one. Yeah. Something original, at least. Uh, just as I was saying how cool it is that they can sign about anything anywhere with because most people won't understand you, someone comes up and Vagina. asks them not to sign about vaginas. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, and then it happened. I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, whoa, Thanksgiving 2017. This is sci-fi now. Alora. That was just a thing. Uh, Raven Live should be a real TV show. And hey, oh, Ra- I love Raven. <laughs> and when he makes that thing about... I don't think you can actually see into the future. I, I lost it. So good. <laughs> hey, Rachel, how you been? Oh, 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 you're gone. And that's the Aww, end of my notes. Yeah. Bye, Rachel. <laughs> she's there and then I she's I hope we see you again. That's the end of quickfire comments. Final score and ranking, Damask. All right. So I gave last season a four. Mm-hmm. And I think just because this, this is better, it's going to be a 4.5. Cool. Not perfect because there are certainly bits that I'm like, meh, no, don't do it for me. But generally, I think this is a Fantastic. It's a high 5.5, 4.5, sorry, for me. Cool. I loved it. Yeah, what about you? I gave it a 5. Yeah, nice. I really loved it. Yeah. It just, your ride isn't perfect, and we can talk about those episodes that are just sort of serviceable, yeah. but they're not unentertaining necessarily. They're just not doing as much as the other episodes mm-hmm. are. There are at least 50% of the episodes this season, if not more, are exceptional. Yes. Like brilliant episodes of television. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam, who we hoped to be on this episode but wasn't available in the end, Jack. he reckons that um, New York I Love You might be one of his favourite episodes of television ever. Wow. Yeah. I liked it less on the rewatch, I'll be honest with you. Oh, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, think it, I, th- I actually think it's good. But I love Thanksgiving great. more. Totally. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. um, the I actually skipped the least favourite of yeah, We'll I come back to that, that in a second. <laughs> Sorry. We'll come back to that. But the... Overall, we've talked about this before, five does not mean perfect, it means masterful, yeah. and for the most part, it was some masterful storytelling and mm. manipulation of my emotions and feelings. It is one of those things where I felt my life was well mm. represented 
in a lot. I could literally wholesale take parts of my past and apply them over yeah. some of the episode, episodes and go, that is me. I kn- you know what? I articulated some feelings so perfectly. Yeah, I think another, it's actually a film that gave me a similar kind of like, oh, this is making me feel things mm. so authentically the way I felt them when they were actually happening in my own life mm. was actually her. Her is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Her, so I had a similar kind of vibe, which I it just that film blew me away and yeah. I like wept like a baby. I haven't watched that film since I saw it in the cinemas, but I remember it being pretty I great. watched it again because I'm scared too because it makes me feel so much, yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a five out of five. I think that's totally fair. I yeah. really, really loved it. And it's like, yeah, it's there is a model of this sort of storytelling coming out now mm. on television and I think... This is a bar to aim for. Yeah, it's really yeah. great. I don't. I think the, there's a possibility of even things being better than this one day. Uh-huh. But that's oh, yeah, set no a doubt. extremely high um, bar. Yeah, I think if perhaps we had seen a bit more of who Francesca is, that yep. would have been great. Um, yeah, if we lost some of the superfluous stuff that felt like it belonged in season one and not in this season. Sure. Um, like I said, like Brian's dad stuff, um, little things like that. But it is a fantastic season. Yeah. Very absolutely cool. beautiful. Uh, least favourite and favourite episodes. We already said our least favourite is seven. episode seven. Uh, door number three. It was just, it was serviceable. Yeah. It did its job. Favourite episode. Mine's Thanksgiving. Cool. So that's episode eight. eight. Yep. Um, just a lovely, clear narrative it obviously resonated with me on a personal level the performances like i said from angela bassett incredible mm-hmm. um yeah when i watched this episode for the first time it blew my fucking mind cool. i was like ah yeah that's what it feels like god damn yes they did it it was good i loved it my, my favorite episode is episode nine uh amasi unpo however you say that. You can't choose it if you can't say it. That's a new rule. The 50-minute episode that just had me tearing my eyes out from Mm. the tension. Um, Mm. And I just felt it was... I I can't remember... I've watched horror films that have (laughs) been less nail-biting. Like, do you know what I mean? It was so... Watching it and as it happened, I was just so sucked into the, the emotions... And the tension of the story. Mm. Um, I really, really loved it. Yeah, I, I love that episode. Um, it is quite long. That didn't bother me at all. I could have yeah, gone for me. It was it was it was fine in, in its length. I just wish if you're going to extend it for fifty minutes, like I said, I would like a bit more Francesca in there. It's I Yeah, I'd be this is one of the reasons I'm looking forward to a season, season three if we three, have yes. it because we'll actually get a chance to do that a little bit more. I hope I, that's going to be the exploration, yeah. Because I, I think this is, for the most part, firmly planted in Dev's perspective mm-hmm. for because that's the story it's telling, but you couldn't do that next season. You yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't because they're living in the same space together. The same reason that we, we felt like we got enough Rachel mm-hmm. in when Rachel and Dev were living together. Yeah. Um, we would get the same with Francesca, you would think, next season. If they didn't, that's mm. a massive fail on their part. But I can't imagine that happening. Yeah. I mean, I think because we have a, like anthology or really insulated episodes this season, um, 
I think it would be possible to do a Francesca episode. However, mm-hmm. I think that would remove a lot of the confusion and tension we feel in this episode nine and ten section. If it was just do- if, if we if saw we her, knew, well. if we knew more about Francesca, I agree. Yeah. And, the, and part of the so I understand why as a function they can't. I just kind of wish that we had a bit more of her. Yeah, and there's there's I hope she gets explored in the future. But to like that was the the point of this episode was to just be lost with Dev in trying mm. to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And the less you know, the less he doesn't know. And we, if we knew and he didn't, then mm-hmm. there's no tension anymore. Yep. We have to feel it with him. Um, I want to give an honourable mention to episode five, though, the dinner party for that last scene, which up until episode... Up I won't give the episode a shout-out. I'll give that scene a shout-out. I think the, I think the episode is good, but yeah, right. I, it was my favourite episode up until the sort of last three or four episodes, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... Really, really love that scene. Um, do we want to keep watching? Yes, yes I want a season three, please. When you're ready, as is, that'd be great. Don't hurry. Get it <laughs> done in your own time. Make it great. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns. Your My concern is that we don't get a season three. Concern is that we don't get an ending. <laughs> you really, really want it. You want more. I, I would like more. Yeah. Okay. I would. Are you going to feel put out if we don't get it? Well, you want? No, because I'll forget about it. Because great TV comes out every year. That's true. I'll just forget about Good it. Point. It's fine. Um. Your, I liked your interesting predictions on the whole Rachel situation, though, and her coming back into it. I would like they that. haven't abandoned her completely. No, I think that the was fact that, that was a morsel to remind you that she's yeah, still I around. Yeah, she, she keeps coming up means something to Dev's ability to have healthy relationships. I mm-hmm. think it will continue to affect him. What happened with Rachel and the, and the love that he had with her. The stuff at the, in the first couple of episodes, if we'd not seen Rachel again after that, I would have just gone, that was a really nice little epilogue That's to like their story. like a transition into... And a realistic yeah. one mm-hmm. that you're very... I mean, you can do it, but very rarely do your relationships ever just cut off. Yeah. There's a connection there. There's a certain caring. There is going to be a little bit of bleeding over of mm-hmm. your lives into each other still, especially when it's relatively fresh. But as you move on, that's easy to get past it. When you show her again at the end, it's an explicit reminder that Rachel is still a part of yeah. this world. She's back in New York, which is important. Mm-hmm. And um, They're both in the same place again. Exactly. And they have done the things that they said they wanted to do. That's right. That stopped them from continuing their relationship, which is right. interesting. Mm. Uh, cool. I think that's it. I think that is it. Excellent. Uh, So, thank you very much for listening to Hunting Seasons once more. Uh, If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by searching for us on Facebook. Search for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, B. Gordis, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B. Gordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Uh, thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at Sean, Pat- Kirk- so, the, the, wow. Sean Kirkpatrick Designs portfolioboxnet or by searching for at Shawnee Boy Draws on Instagram. Also, thank you to Jordan Calavis for our wonderful Hunting Seasons lo- uh, theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, 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 please consider reviewing us, sharing us, whatever service Ooh, platform you happen to be uh, finding us on, whether that's a streaming service or whether that's a podcast service on your, might be your Google phone, might be your Apple phone, might be wherever. Whatever platform you use is fine. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> no, non-specifically, if you could just review us, share us, that would be great. Recommend us to some friends who you think might like this. Mm-hmm. That would be very, very handy to help get the word out about hunting seasons. Uh, next week is a little bit of a good question. I think the next episode... <laughs> From looks like mm. is probably no promises. 
but probably going to be the Punisher season one. Right. So <laughs> I actually didn't see that coming. Greta. We have done, spent a lot of time on Marvel uh, Netflix Half series. Half our lifetime on Marvel, it feels <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, this, this year for the podcast. Ooh. And we were not sure we would revisit it after doing The Defenders. However, I think, A, people who listen to the podcast want us to do it. And B, enough time has passed that maybe it would be worth trying to re-explore it and taking one last chance at the Marvel. So. We Net- spent like a month and a half watching Marvel and by the end of it, we just wanted to Die. murder each other and <laughs> ourselves and just, you know, praying for nuclear war. But I think... Don't pray too much. <laughs> but I think... Look, I'm just describing to the people the depth of our despair oh, right, at that okay. point. Um, but I think enough time has passed that we can manage to watch one season of a Marvel show so, without getting too upset. We'll see how we go. I have... High hopes. I'm not saying expectations, but hopes that can be good. Punisher was Why good. would you ever have hope? Because the Punisher was a good part of Daredevil Season 2. It yeah. was your favourite part of Daredevil Season it 2. It was, exactly. And even I don't have hope that okay. it's going to, you know, be anything. I need to know how many episodes it has. Yeah. If it's if it's 10 or less, I'm going to be a very happy boy. If it's 13 again, <sighs> that's uh, yeah. going to be a slog. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to us once more. We will see you next week. Catch you later. Bye. Alora. <laughs> Ciao. No, what's the what's goodbye? Arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> Terrible. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.